this hour by Frederick Remington fully cooked ready to eat bacon. Exclusive no refrigeration 10 year extended shelf life bacon. The thickest media center cut bacon in the industry at fullycookedbacon.com. The show for PC users who can handle the truth. And now, here's your host, Gene Steinberg. So this week on the Tech Night Out Live, we welcome our old friend Kirk McElhern. He has a great site called Kirkville. Well, a little bit later, we'll hear from Josh Centers of Tidbits. And when we talk about Josh, I want to say take control books. But he doesn't do that anymore. That's Joe Kissel, and he'll be on the show in the future. What this means is that this is the Tech Night Out Live. So, Kirk, welcome back. Since you're an author of Take Control Books, I guess we never talked about it too much. What's your reaction to Joe Kissel taking over the whole kit and caboodle? Oh, I think it's great. Joe's been a Take Control author since the the very first group of us who started the the books back in 2003. Um, He's the guy who's written the most Take Control books. Tanya and Adam realized it was time for them to move on, and Joe is jumping into this headfirst with a real desire to to get things bubbling up, new ideas, new approaches to marketing and all that. I'm, I'm very excited for it. Is that a thing, too, that, you know, sometimes you have the same ownership, doing the same things, and you want that business to move ahead, new leadership sometimes is a really good idea. Yeah, you get into habits. And, and, and I think Tanya and Adam have done an extraordinary job. You know, this company's been around since 2003, so it's getting on 15 years. They've done a great job, but it's time to get a new point of view, a, a fresh approach to marketing and, and the way we interact with customers and all that. And Joe has great ideas. We've been talking about um, new book ideas and new marketing ideas, and I I think it's going to be really good. Just briefly, because I wrote a lot of computer books back in the 90s and early 2000s, pretty much before things went to e-books. Is there much of a market for general purpose computing books like dummies books and complete idiots guides? Because the books you did with Take Control are shorter, more specialized, more specific. Yeah, I I did a couple dozen print books. I don't. I, I actually don't even have a, a count of how many. You know, because also when you do a book, sometimes you'll do another edition, so that really counts as a new book, even though it's only an update. You see, um, that's how I uh, use it in my totals. I lie. I say, well, course. I wrote thirty well, books. I did, but when you have four editions of one book, it's still a new. But it's book. a new ISBN, so it's a new book, and it and it's got a new title: second edition, or third edition, or eleventh edition. I think it's obvious that the days of the thousand-page book are over. I haven't bought a computer book in a long time. The last technical book I bought was something about digital audio because I needed some background information on um, how digital audio is recorded, things like sample rates and frequency ranges and stuff like that. It's a very technical book that I bought for reference. I can't see the need to buy a thousand page book about anything, be it Mac OS X, and, and I've written or co-written thousand page books about the, an operating system, or you know, Microsoft Office, same thing. I wrote about a third of a thousand-page book about Microsoft Office. I wrote you know, a full thousand-page book on Microsoft yeah, yeah, Office. No. 
we went through a stage, and, and this is I was writing these in you know the early two thousands, and we went through a stage where all of this was new. No one except for the real real specialists knew how to use these things. And now we've all grown up with these apps, whether we've started as adults or kids. And you don't really need to explain anymore that you double click a file to open it or you drag it to a folder to move it. And, you know, it's all that basic stuff that we don't need anymore. I think there are still areas where books do sell. Um, I've been doing a lot of work in digital photography recently. And I'll tell you, you better buy a book if you're going to use Lightroom and Photoshop. These are really complicated apps. But if you've been using Lightroom and Photoshop for years and you get a new version, you probably wouldn't buy a book. In other words, if you're already familiar with them, the, the need for a new book is, is somewhat limited. Yeah, but um, there's also something here. There's a commonality among different apps. And I can get through the basics of Photoshop, but now say I want to do something no, more can't. sophisticated. No, no, no. See, this is the thing. Photoshop is the perfect example. You think you can get through the basics of Photoshop, but the basics that you can get through aren't even the preliminaries. There would be different levels of books I would need. So I would need possibly a fairly complete instruction manual to really get decent in Photoshop, but I can get away with it with the things I do now. I know enough to be dangerous, but not enough to be anything near a master or an expert. Right. So what I've seen in apps like Photoshop and, and another a Mac app called Affinity Photo that I bought is that it's not that I don't know what to do. It's that I don't even know what I can do. When I look at the options and the features in these apps, I don't even understand what they mean when you see the name of a feature in a menu item. So it's not that you know the basics. You don't even know the basics because you don't know what these things are. I mean, I was looking at something about how to imitate a gradient neutral density filter in Affinity Photo. Now, a year ago, I didn't know what a gradient neutral density filter was. And th there's like six steps that involve things that I would never have even thought of considering looking to find out how to do to do this. The things that Photoshop can do, you know, you look at Microsoft Word, you'll understand pretty much every menu command. You look at something like Photoshop, and unless you're familiar with these apps, you won't understand the commands. You won't know what they mean. No, I realize. I think the best thing when you want to learn that is concentrate on the tasks you need to do. I want to do you know, this. I, I want to accomplish thing, that. I think the best thing is to use simpler apps. That's all. Apple's photos can do all sorts of editing. If you don't understand what Photoshop can do, you don't need Photoshop. And I think it's a mistake for a lot of people to get involved in it. And they end up doing too much to their photos because they feel that they've got this powerful tool and they have to use it. Look at the task you want to do. Don't do the reverse saying, I need Photoshop. It is, I want to do thus and so to a photo. What's the best solution? And right, maybe but, Apple's but photos, especially the forthcoming High Sierra version will be perfectly adequate. Maybe well, I will need to do something that's more sophisticated. Let me look at what the other apps can do. Photoshop is, I understand, this is the professional tool. You may never need, and I suspect that probably a large percentage of Photoshop users have no need whatever for that app. It's way beyond anything they ever expect to accomplish or perform. And most of them don't even know what it can do. So it's not even finding an app that does what you need. It's that you just don't need that stuff. You're just not doing that kind of stuff to your photos. But to get back to the point about books, 
it does make more sense to have more targeted books. Now, it might take control of iTunes 12 is, I think, 260 pages, which is getting really kind of long. I mean, iTunes is, is a complex app. Michael Cohen's book about pages is about the same length because he covers pages on the desktop and on iOS where there are differences. But most of our books are in the 100-page range, you know, from 80 to 120, 150 pages. It makes more sense that when people have certain tasks they want to do, that they focus on those tasks um, in a limited way. Rather than a thousand-page book about OS X, you get a book about managing, I don't know, contacts and calendars in OS X or, or you know, other things like managing your email, which is a, a more conceptual topic than saying, well, you know, look at this email chapter of this big, massive book on OS X. Well, what I do, which I suspect is true with a lot of people, is I go online and look for a solution. I want to do this. Let me try that out. How do I get this done? And I look for the specific individual solution. But I've been around for a while. Somebody who may be less sophisticated, a targeted book or magazine article may be all they need for getting where they are. It's not using the monolithic app like Quark Express is a big monolithic app that may require lots of instruction. But I've used Quark Express now for... Well, since the late 1980s when it first came out. So there are things there that are probably beyond what I would want to do, but I know what everything does. Yeah, so the go online to find it, it's it's a good idea if you know what you're looking for, but the problem is it can be very hard to find the solution you're looking for. And personally, if if I know that I can get, I don't know, a a $10 ebook that's going to explain how to do something, um, rather than spend an hour searching online, finding, you know, incomplete suggestions on how to do it. And I'm not saying there aren't good solutions. A little bit later on the Tech Night Out Live, we'll be featuring Josh Centers of Tidbits, all the current Apple chatter for you to hear. Okay, more to come with Kirk McElhern and Gene Steinberg on the Tech Night Out Live. <laughs> Neighbors, I want to tell you about my favorite graphics app. It's the award-winning Graphic Converter. You know, Graphic Converter is the universal genius for photo editing on your Mac. Join over one and a half million loyal users for this Swiss Army Knife photo editing app. It gives you all you expect from a top-flight image editing app with tons of features. And most important, it's easy to use. It's also far less expensive than that other app that you can only get by subscription. You know, the one I'm talking about. What's more, you can get 20% off with your order right now. So write this down to learn about Graphic Converter. Go to www.lemkesoft.de slash gene. Let me spell that www.lemkesoft.de slash gene. Have you checked your Google search results lately? Search results are usually the first impression that people form of you or your business. So make sure that they create a positive impression with ReputationDefender.com. What the Internet says about you can have a big impact on your life and your livelihood, even if it's not true. Fortunately, you can now control how you look online and in online search results with ReputationDefender.com. Call 800-831-0771 now. That's 800-831-0771 for your free reputation. 
rotation analysis. If you have negative material from an ex-employee, upset patient, or former client, newspaper, article, legal issue, social media, or other source showing up in your search results, you can combat it with ReputationDefender.com. Our dedicated experts in patented technology can help make your online search results look their best. Call 800-831-0771 to learn more. 800-831-0771. That's 800-831-0771. Or visit ReputationDefender.com. Is that Ellen painting her garage? Yesterday she was trimming her edges. What's her secret? I heard she was eating this new super berry called the Aronia Berry. Aronia what? Aronia Berries from Superberries.com. They're known for having one of the highest levels of antioxidants that helps with overall wellness. Where can we get them? Go to Superberries.com slash radio. And right now we get a free smoothie recipe book with our order. Plus we can save $4 at checkout. (laughs) I can't wait. I've got lots of projects I need to get done. Yes, you do. Choose health. Eat purple. Superberries.com. Identity theft is going to ruin your life if you're not prepared. Hi everyone, this is Paul with Liberty ID. Hey, millions of Americans fall victim every year. Odds are your identity has already been compromised and alerts aren't going to save you. The solution is restoration and the only company that provides a money-back guarantee is Liberty ID. Go to Liberty ID and use the promo code FREETRIAL for 60 days free. That's LibertyID.com, promo code FREETRIAL for 60 days free. Cancel at any time. Liberty ID is the industry leader in identity theft restoration with a 100% success rate in restoring our subscribers' identities no matter how they're stolen. Liberty ID fixes the fallout for you. Liberty ID does the work, but you have to be prepared. Go to LibertyID.com, promo code free trial. LibertyID.com, LibertyID.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. I'm here to tell you about GCNTelecare.com a team of board-certified doctors assisting you 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. Within 15 minutes of registration, care your family can afford. Revolutionizing the healthcare industry, virtual consulting, providing diagnosis of non-emergency medical issues by phone or secure video on computer or smart mobile devices. GCNTelecare.com. Virtual care anywhere. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow night owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. So what you're basically saying, Kirk, is that it's going to be hit or miss. You may not even know how to frame the proper question, but if you get a targeted book or a magazine article or something, you can sit there and read the information, some of which will be helpful, some of which won't, but you get a better rounding of how to handle that particular task. Well, one of the problems we have now is that there are so many websites that are designed to get Google traffic. So they use what are called search engine optimization or SEO tricks, you know, certain ways of adding keywords in titles and in the body of the text that that seem to be Google friendly. And then you end up in these websites that have these autoplay videos and that have 10 ads in an article and maybe an article spread over three pages so they can get as many page views and ads views as possible. And the articles are there 
just for the ads rather than to provide information. You can spend a lot of time going through websites. You may not find very good solutions or very well-written solutions. And in my case, I'd rather spend 10 bucks for a book for an ebook that's going to explain what I need to do rather than spend hours looking online. You know, I have a lot of iTunes articles on my website. They're all very targeted. How to, you know, shuffle your music in iOS because Apple changed this in, in iOS 10. I do get a lot of Google traffic, but, you know, I have one or two ads on my website. My site is designed to be informative, but it's also designed that every single article is self-contained right? A single page on a single idea. And I'm not trying to draw people in with any trickery like that. But people see it as, well, it's free to search on Google. But sometimes if you're doing something a bit complex, you you are going to spend a lot of time. You might find solutions that are old and don't work. And, and that's one of the problems. You know, when a, a software gets updated, the solution might be for the previous version. But also you should look at the date of the article. If you should always look one. at the date. Yeah. You know, one thing about the Take Control books is we're able to update them, which print books, it's a long process to update a print book. We can update them a lot more quickly. So we are generally up to date. I mean, Apple has already released a new version of iTunes since my last update came out, and there are some minor feature changes. But for the most part, it's up to date. If I had written a print book about iTunes 12 when it came out, and this is what, late 2014? It's nearly three years now. I mean, it would be, you know, woefully out of date. The take control books have that advantage that we can react a lot more quickly to these changes. And when you buy one, you get free updates for the life of the book. And when the book has a major update, you get a discounted um, update to the book. So it, it is a user-friendly way of selling books. It's kind of like software, or at least the way software is sold, but not by Apple, which is you get free updates for a while, and when there's a major change, you get the new version for half price or something. Exactly. And and we felt back in the early days that this is what we needed to offer to readers in the books. And, and it was something that print books couldn't do. So it did differentiate us. The, the landscape has changed. People are reading fewer magazines. Magazines are mostly, computer magazines have mostly disappeared. They're not even going to the websites anymore. It's mostly Google searches. People used to use RSS to keep up with things, but it seems as though, you know, commuting is mature enough that people don't care and they don't want to spend the time anymore. I was talking to someone a couple hours ago about the changes in our tech writing industry. You know, you remember when we had these one inch thick computer magazines and they were half ads, but we didn't have the internet to see ads. So it was important to have them to compare prices and all that. Computing was new at the time. So there were so many things we needed to learn. I was saying earlier, we've gotten to the point where people are much more computer savvy and they don't have the same needs anymore. So it's a very rapidly changing landscape in the past few years. This whole thing has shifted. The whole um, tech writing, um, computer writing stuff has shifted. And the thing here is you wonder about the need for those magazines and everything. Obviously, print magazines are pretty much gone in terms of computers. We still have Mac Life, which descended from Mac Addict. And most of it is just short reviews and pretty much, you know, nothing special about the information. It seems to be written more for general public consumption. It's not very sophisticated. And that is it, I think. That's pretty much it, at least for Mac. But then I think the larger question here is, is there a need for a Apple or Mac-specific publication anymore? And the reason I say that is because of the fact that Apple is sitting here 
number one tech company by market cap over what a billion users of its products how can it be specialized maybe the mac is because the mac has you know less than 10 percent of the market or 12 percent wherever you live but with the iphone how can you call it anything specialized anymore it's mainstream yeah it's still a different platform which is a different language so i would argue that we do need it but i i would also argue that today it would make sense to fold apple coverage into a more general computer website because of the fact that we we no longer have these platform wars and there are people who are using macs and maybe using windows at work and or they're using windows pcs and iphones it's no longer a one platform world for most people so it does sort of make less sense today to segregate the content rather than having you know, Windows and Mac, iOS and Android on the same website. And obviously, you wouldn't read everything unless you use all these devices. Very few people do, but you'd read what interests you. Well, I'll give you an example of this. In the course of the Uber business, I took around somebody who works as a cinematographer for documentaries on TV. And I talked to him about the equipment he uses, and he says, you know, they use Avid, more than anything else in terms of editing, but otherwise it's all Mac, except maybe in the front office, some people are using, still using Windows. But the point being here is, you know, there's no such thing here as as much platform separation. Even Microsoft has given up on its Windows phone or whatever it calls it now, and they're just building software for Android and iOS. Obviously, they're still doing Windows. They're still trying to make Windows PCs the surface, but the mobile business, yeah, and, and the they seeded that. They're just, they'll give you the services. You want a great version of Office? That's fine. They don't care about the platform. They care about the money they make. Yeah, we've talked about the Surface, and, and they've got some innovative hardware. Um, I think Microsoft has, I think that company has a future, we could say. Surface sales go nowhere. In March, sales were down 26%. So they're introducing ideas and maybe those ideas will catch on like the surface studio with the foldable screen and everything and maybe that's interesting but i don't think microsoft at this point after all these years can see any tremendous growth in surface sales are going down they're not going anywhere they're selling what a fifth or an eighth of what apple sells so that's not going to change maybe they'll influence other pc makers to come out with better ideas I suppose that's a good idea. But Microsoft is services and software, except for the Xbox. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You disagree? No, I agree. I agree. Hey, we don't have to do that. Let's move on to other stuff here, okay? Okay. Okay. So platform wars we don't care about. No. No, Android versus iOS. Yesterday's news. Okay, we'll have more to come on the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. This is Dan Pillard. Do you owe the IRS money you can't pay? Are tax debts crippling you? I've defended people from the IRS for over 30 years. I've helped thousands and I can help you too. I wrote the book on IRS settlement and I'm telling you, there's no such thing as a hopeless case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX to finally get free of IRS debt. With the IRS's new programs, there's never been a better time to solve your problem. 
Call 800-34-NO-TAX. That's 800-34-NO-TAX or my website, danpilla.com. Are you one of the 15 million men in the U.S. who suffer from an enlarged prostate, also known as BPH? If your life revolves around finding the closest bathroom, if you're tired of waking up many times at night to urinate, then you need to know about Prostate Miracle. Prostate Miracle contains beta-cytosterol, which is 3,000 times stronger than saw palmetto. Its effect on BPH has been extensively studied. Find out more and get Prostate Miracle now. Go to ProstateMiracle.com or call 877-965-2140. That's 877-965-2140. Are you happy washing your hands with harsh chemicals? Are you happy doing laundry with detergents? Are you happy paying high prices? Find your happiness with Pure Soap. These all-natural, earth-friendly Pure Soaps are the very best you've ever used. Buy in bulk. Get a 12, 36, or 48-month supply. Or get items individually and still save big. You're getting soap products twice as good as what you're using now. Earth-friendly and natural soaps. Your family deserves the best. Happiness is 5starsoap.com. Why not put your money up the drain for a change? See them at 5starsoap.com or call 1-800-340-7091 for a catalog. CalBen's Soap Company can save you thousands of dollars and give you good old-fashioned real soaps that are triple concentrated. Soaps made from vegetable and coconut oils. See their full selection of soaps at 5starsoap.com. That's F-I-V-E starsoap.com. Or call 1-800-340-7091 for a catalog. This is a warning to all household pests, to all cockroaches, spiders, ants, mice, and rats. If you've made yourself at home in someone else's home, you'd better hope the owners never hear about Terminix. Because Terminix has the know-how and the means to do whatever it takes to remove you from that home. Terminix has 90 years of experience eliminating home invaders. And they make it easy for homeowners to be protected by offering a free pest estimate by calling 1-800-686-1063. Cockroaches, spiders, ants, mice, rats, and other pests. This is your last chance with one one call, Terminix will remove you from the home you've invaded. If you think you can simply come back later, think again. Terminix will never stop working to keep you out with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Pests. Wherever you are, I will find you. Pests. You've been warned. Homeowners are calling Terminix right now for a free pest estimate. 1-800-686-1063. 1-800-686-1063. 30-day money-back guarantee at participating locations. Limitations apply. See plan for details. It's been said, any society is only three missed meals away from chaos. Those times may be near. Think about it. Our country faces multiple terrorist threats and aggressions from Russia and North Korea. Social unrest and violent marches yet again may lead to looting of stores and city shutdowns. And our crumbling infrastructure leaves our power grid vulnerable to long-term outages from a single cyber attack. When the chaos from any one of these threats arises, the government knows it can't provide during a widespread national emergency. That's why you need your own plan for self-reliance. That's where My Patriot Supply comes in. Get a four-week survival food supply for only $99. That includes breakfast, lunches, and dinners. Order online at preparewithgcn.com. 99 bucks for four weeks of survival food that tastes like homemade cooking and lasts up to 25 years from My Patriot Supply. Get your kits today at preparewithgcn.com. Free shipping is included. Preparewithgcn.com. Live with Gene Steinberg, it's the Tech Night Owl, because you never know what's going to happen next.
with Kirk McElhern. As we said, Platform Wars, yesterday's news. Let's see what the future of services and everything, more integration. Even with iOS 11, Apple has this Files app, which is like a iOS version of Finder. And they're adding, you know, Dropbox and other services. They're not saying you've got to use iCloud for those things. They'll work with the other services. That's cool. They don't want to make it hard for you to save your files or access them. Well, it's sort of an aggregator. It, it kind of lets you funnel those services into your device. And that, it's a smart move on Apple's part because I think in the business world, Dropbox reigns supreme and people just probably would not trust iCloud, iCloud Drive for storage, in part because you can't share it. You don't have these team accounts and, and all that. It's just not it's just not up to, to par for business. So this is something that they needed to do to get businesses to keep using the iPhone. And also allows the iPhone to be a more productive device, but more specifically the iPad. Now, I don't know if the changes are there yet, but it sounds like they are making a really honest effort there to put a few Mac-like things on the iPad to make it more possible for people to do productive work on it. Yeah, I, I haven't really looked at the iOS 11 beta on the iPad. I've got it installed on my iPod Touch, and honestly, I haven't looked at it very much there. There are a number of sort of multitasking things that are added to the iPad, but I'm not the person who can tell you about them. I'll give you a brief account. I did install the iOS 11 beta on my iPhone. Unfortunately, one of the bugs it has is that Google Maps would quit upon launch when it tries to build a route. And Google Maps integrates with Lyft. So if you do ride sharing with Lyft, it's using Google Maps for your destination. So I can't use it. So I went back to the original operating system. I installed High Sierra on my aging MacBook Pro 2010. They just had the second public release, by the way. I say stay away for another month or so. It's got a couple of fatal bugs. One is minor, like downloading messages from mail. It stalls out. The second is major, and I'm not the only one to report it, and that is sleep mode is broken, and that is you try to wake it from sleep, it's frozen, you got to restart the computer. That's a headache. That is a headache. I expect that's going to be fixed in another release or two. It's one of those things where, you know, it's something that probably is model specific, but the conversion to Apple file system was fine. The computer works pretty good. It's got an SSD in there, and it works just fine, except that it's not quite ready. But since I don't use it that much, it doesn't bother me. And when there's a release there where I could sit there and say, every one of my apps works okay, and the Audio Hijack app, which you're familiar with because you wrote a book about it, that's partly compatible with High Sierra. But that seems to be true with every release, a new operating system, because it's so tightly integrated requires a fix. So that's the thing that also is waiting. You're not supposed to use a beta operating system on a production computer. You know that. That's why I set it up on my MacBook Pro. I'm not using that as a production computer. At worst, maybe I'll travel with it. But what it can't do is not a problem. It does enough that I'll put up with the fact that it doesn't sleep and doesn't download my messages from mail as efficiently as I'd like. It doesn't bother me because I'm not using it for production. My main production Mac will not touch High Sierra unless it's just about perfect. Yeah, I, I just like iOS, I haven't really looked very much at the the macOS beta. I did look at 
photos just to see a couple of things. But unless I'm writing a book about it, I really don't need to spend the time right now. As you say, another month or two, we're in the middle of July and we're looking at an, a release in September or October. So August is the time that it's really worth installing this and, and spending some time with it. But it's it's too soon and unless you have to work with it like you're a developer and you're you know, you need to update your software, it's just not worth it. And I'll be blunt. When it comes to High Sierra, Mac OS High Sierra, most of the time you will not notice a difference. You won't notice a changeover to Apple file system because it's a back end thing. You'll notice if you're trying to duplicate a file on your drive, you'll notice some of the features that are really nice. But for the most part, you won't notice. Photos, you'll notice. If you want to do something more than a basic touch-up, you'll notice extra capabilities, extra tools there. The enhanced search feature of Mail, you won't notice. You'll notice the ability to stop the silly autoplay from certain sites. Yeah, that's right. That yep. you'll notice. Okay. Definitely. Is it <laughs> I some, got nothing some, else to say. Yeah, no, that's okay. That's okay. The thing being that it's a pretty modest release, except for stuff that paves the way for the future. Hopefully, it'll fix bugs and all that thing. The real attention is iOS 11, because that has a lot of changes, especially for the iPad, where Apple appears to be making a concerted effort, I don't know what you think, Kirk, to make that platform realize its potential. What do you think? Well... The platform has potential, but I think what they're trying to do is make it, you know, there's always these big discussions going on that I don't spend a lot of time with um, people saying, oh, you can use an iPad to do all your work. No, you can't use your iPad to do all your work. And there are people who are proving that they can do all their work on an iPad, and there are others who are proving that they can't. And it's just, it's a moot point because everyone's use of a computing device is different. I think that Apple is trying to make it possible for more people to do more work on the iPad. Um, I don't think it will ever replace a desktop computer. It'll replace it for some people. I know some people who use an iPad and don't use a computer, but who don't necessarily work on a computer. So it's 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 a natural evolution. You know what's interesting? A few years ago, we were talking about the iOSification of Mac OS, or OS X as it was called back then, um, about how certain iOS-type features were being added to the desktop. And now it's going in the other direction. Um, multitasking and the Files app and things like that are showing that Apple is paying more attention to bringing desktop features to the, to the tablet. Um, I think they're going to continue to converge. They'll never use exactly the same operating system. But yeah, I think Apple's trying to expand its reach because they know that people are buying fewer computers. Of course, the problem is people don't update iPads very often. So that's another reason they're trying to give them reasons to get a newer iPad. If you've, if you've got an iPad that's three or four years old and you see some of these new features, but your iPad's too slow, you may be tempted to update it. Um, but it's a tough it's a tough game because the iPad or the tablet in general simply isn't selling the way anyone expected it would. Um, and we don't know what the future holds. And w will people use more laptops? Will they use more iPads? Will they use more desktops? Um, or have we gotten beyond that? Because most people just work in the web browser now and use things like, you know, Google Docs or or Microsoft Office, whatever their online services. Well, it's also a situation where it's platform agnostic, a lot of the stuff. 
Yeah, the fact that Microsoft, for example, the fact that Microsoft, for example, is selling versions for iOS, for Mac, for Android, in addition to Windows, with the goal that it doesn't matter what you use by Office because we'll support it. That's what they're doing. And even Apple doesn't provide iWork for other platforms, but you can go online and, and use it. Yeah, exactly. You can buy a $100 Chromebook or maybe 150 I don't know what they cost these days. And you can access a lot of the features that you need, a lot of the apps that you need. You can get your email um, through the browser. You can do your um, spreadsheets and your word processing documents through the browser. And for most people, that's all they really need. Now, of course, the iPad goes in the same direction um, because you can either use the browser or the apps. Uh, the problem is the iPad costs four times, five times as much as, uh, you know, a cheap Chromebook. And obviously you can't compare it. The iPad has a better display. And, and the, the new 10.5-inch iPad Pro has a beautiful display. It's really nice. But again, most people don't want to spend that much money. We've got more to come with Kirk McElhern. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Fully cooked, ready-to-eat bacon. I'm talking thick, meaty, center-cut, presidential bacon. Savory and delicious. I buy some, I use some, I store some. Awesome. No refrigeration needed with a 10-year shelf life. NASA Pack technology. Bacon. Fully cooked, fully hydrated, ready-to-eat right from the pack bacon. Or warm and served. Life-saving, ready-to-eat bacon. 10-year shelf life bacon. Ships free at FullyCookedBacon.com. FullyCookedBacon.com. It's a no-brainer. A Big Berkey water filter is the one you need, period. You need a water filter that removes chlorine, fluoride, pharmaceuticals, BPA, and other endocrine disruptors, pesticides, bacteria, viruses, and much more, right? And does it all at only two cents per gallon. Get the original and most trusted name in gravity water filtration, Big Berkey. And now GCN listeners receive 5% off ceramic filter systems using code GCN. Call or click 1-877-99-BERKEY or BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. That's 1-877-99-BERKEY.
Being self-reliant is about being prepared and to do what you need to have your own source of renewable energy. Portable Solar LLC offers the most powerful EMP-hardened solar system on the market that is transportable from place to place, and the best part, it's very affordable. Contact them at PortableSolarLLC.com or call for details at 972-575-8875. SolArc EMP-hardened solar generator, energy insurance for your family or business. Call Portable Solar LLC today or go to PortableSolarLLC.com to check out their patent-pending technology. How did you become addicted? A friend? Were you at a party and someone said, hey, try this? Then you got the cold sweats and started shaking. And the more you did it, the more it didn't work. So you switched to the needle. Now you're a train wreck. Drinking, drugging, broke. Your family hates you. And you hate you. Get out of your hell on earth now. Call the Detox and Treatment Helpline today for immediate help. In many cases, your insurance may cover the costs. We can't guarantee it, but we can guarantee we have what you need to change your life for the better. Pick up your cell phone and call right now. 855-700-2979-855-700-2979-855-700-2979. That's 855-700-2979. Looking for that edge during those intimate moments? We see many ads for enhancement, but the side effects include death. At GCN Team, we should change the Healthy Body Brain and Heart Pack to the Healthy Libido Pack. The brain and heart are not the only organs that require a healthy vascular system. For proper blood flow at the right moment, go to GCNTeam.com or call 877-878-4203. That's 877-878-4203. That's 877-878-4203. you know what's going to happen next? Well, here's the Tech Night Owl, live with Gene Steinberg. The thing that's also interesting here about the iPad Pros, the performance level is amazing. They're what they're not quite as fast as the MacBook Pro, we're pretty close. I mean, the other thing is the big contradiction, and we can get into the other thing is a big contradiction. Of course, Apple says we're not going to put touch screens on Macs, it's like merging a toaster oven with a refrigerator. So, you take an iPad Pro, you hook up a smart keyboard. What do you have? A toaster oven and a refrigerator. Yes, but you can use keyboard shortcuts, you can use the pencil to tap. You can do an awful lot from the keyboard. You don't need to touch that much. I mean, I agree. It's not an ideal solution. I've tried doing that a bit, and I found it annoying that I had to touch the screen so much for for different things. But I think the interest there is you've got a very portable device that it doesn't have to have the keyboard connected to it, so it makes it more portable. Um, Even if you're using the keyboard every day, it's still smaller and lighter than a laptop. It's got better battery life. I, I can understand some people who do that, even though I would personally choose a computer. I find that the, the, the trackpad alone on, on a MacBook makes it a lot more useful than, than working like that. But again, there are people who have their ways of working, and you know there are, there, there are options for everyone. Everyone does things differently. You see, I like to see 
and this requires better support in iOS, a keyboard for an iPad that supports a trackpad. I would too. Because I think that's something that Apple could do without a lot of sweat. Shouldn't take a lot to do it. And what they do then is you can have a smart keyboard, maybe a little pop-out thing where it slides out, and now you got the trackpad if you want it. Yeah, I I would like to see that too. And I think that would cement the difference because then I could say, you know what? Maybe if I had the apps on an iPad, I'll take it with me. You know, a pound, a pound and a half, not to schlep along a notebook. Of course, I can't do this show on there because the kind of software I need to do a show like this is not allowed by Apple in the App Store. Maybe someday. Yep. So, you know, I can see that. But what do you think about, and this is something I guess we haven't talked about a lot, but what do you think about an iMac that's going to cost the same as a compact car? Yeah. um, Well, it's a pro computer. And, you know, we've we've discussed the the Mac Pro several times over the years because I had one and then I sold it. So there's always this problem. Well, there's this problem recently of getting a good high-resolution display connected to a desktop computer, um, a 4K or a 5K display. And a lot of this has to do with, you know, data going out of the computer into the display, right, when they're two separate items. So when you put the two together, you can get around that. You don't have any limitations like, you know, Thunderbolt 2 or Thunderbolt 3. They have these limitations. I don't think it's a bad idea. I, I think... When you look at the cost of the iMac Pro, they're talking about $5,000, and you compare it to the cost of the Mac Pro plus a really good display, it's it's comparable. Um, I would never even consider spending that much on a computer, whereas I did on the Mac Pro. I spent whatever it was for the entry-level Mac Pro. Um, I think there are certain people who are going to like this, certain pros um, people who work with photos and videos, m- most particularly, and maybe even, you know, CAD, um, you know, 3D rendering software, things like that. But it's a very small audience. I, I think there are people who have a lot of money who are going to buy them because they're going to look cooler, because it's going to be a different color and and, and all that. Um, I think it's a pretty bold thing for them to do in the sense that they're you know, they famously said that they were going to stop making displays a while ago. And of course, they're going to come back to making displays in the future. But it it's a way for them to provide something in, in a form factor that they have already, um, where much of the internals are already there, and to give something with a lot of power to the handful of people who need it. The thing is, it's, it's, you know, it's not a mainstream device by any stretch of the imagination. I also think Apple can use some of the technology developed to put a cooling system in there that can handle workstation class components and make a smaller Mac Pro. Because a lot of the Mac Pro was an elaborate cooling system. This is one of the big issues with the original Mac Pro. And when the days of the G5, when they had to use liquid cooling, Apple has developed a system now that can just squeeze all those parts in a small space And then maybe the next Mac Pro is going to be a lot smaller than we have a right to expect as a result. And by stretching this technology development into sophisticated cooling systems across two products, Apple makes it easier. So very likely what the next Mac Pro will be is kind of a headless 
iMac with maybe the capability of some more power, but also the expansion capability that everybody wants. But by leveraging the technology, they could make it less expensive to develop. But it's also taking away sales from the Mac Pro. Some people will buy the iMac Pro because they said, well, we don't have a display, so now we get this great display, and we can add two more external 5K displays if we want one. Yeah, I think the the key is whether the Mac Pro will actually have possibilities of expansion, which the the iMac Pro certainly won't. Um, We don't know yet what the new Mac Pro is going to be. I would hope that it offers expansion possibilities, but, you know, we've been using Apple long enough to know that that's not always guaranteed. I don't know who's going to need the Mac Pro as opposed to the iMac Pro. It's, you know, there, there were a few years ago, uh, I would say, more average users actually did need some of the higher-end Macs, but that's not the case anymore. Um, we don't, unless we're doing photo video, unless we're doing photo editing or video editing, we don't need the power. You know, you remember like me the the days when it could take sixty seconds to launch Microsoft Word, and if you had a faster processor, you could cut it down to forty five or something. And you know, since you didn't have a lot of RAM and you had to quit your apps often to to be able to work smoothly, you'd be saving a lot of time by having a faster um, processor like that. That's not the case anymore. So I'm curious to see who the target audience is for um, the Mac Pro as opposed to the iMac Pro. And remember, the regular iMac, if you're not needing 8 cores, 12 cores, whatever, or 18, it's a pretty powerful beast. As a matter of fact, it can get pretty expensive, too. You equip it with a 2-terabyte solid-state drive, max out the memory and everything else, you have a $4,500 computer. Yeah, but pardon my choice of words, but if you put a two terabyte hard drive in it, you're a fool. Pardon my choice of words, but if you pay for a two terabyte SSD for an iMac, you're a fool. No one needs um, an SSD that's bigger than their operating system or their apps, unless they're doing photo editing, video editing, et cetera, et cetera. But even if you're doing photo editing, you don't need that big an SSD. Um, You can copy um, the files that you're editing to the SSD to make it faster. The only place you really need it is for video. SSDs are great. The, the biggest change we've had in computers is SSDs um, for your operating system and your apps. But put your data on them. I mean, why would I put my iTunes library on an SSD? I'd be paying 10 times as much per gigabyte for 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 files that are read occasionally. And when one is read, it doesn't even matter how fast it's read. You know, it, it, it can't be played any faster. So reading it faster doesn't do anything. So you're talking, therefore, about putting it on an external drive. Period. Yeah, you can, you can put it on an external drive. And external drives are cheap. Um, you can buy... I, I, I had to replace a bunch of my hard drives recently because um, they were getting old. You know, after, after about three years or so, I figured that a hard drive is... Um, it's kind of the, the 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 risk of failure increases. So what what I did is I replaced um, a couple hard drives I had. I had four terabyte hard drives. I replaced them with new eight terabyte hard drives. They cost me about two hundred pounds each. I think they're about two hundred dollars in the U.S. for an eight terabyte hard drive. I mean, you connect that to an iMac with with USB three, 
and it's relatively fast. If you need a Thunderbolt disk, it's going to cost more, but it's still going to be fast. And and buying a big SSD is just foolish. I was thinking of a terabyte SSD and then rely but on that's an foolish. external drive. No, it's I, not I, because, all right, well, you think I should just have a 500? Uh, well, I'm getting by with a 256 on both of my Macs. Um, I've got 67 gigabytes available on my iMac out of 256. And if I really needed space, I could offload a bunch of files that I don't use. I could delete apps that, you know, I, I got to review or to test or whatever that probably save 20 or 30 gigabytes. Um, I'll tell you what, we've got more to come with Kirk okay. McElhern. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. <laughs> Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Attack of the Rockoids has been well received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill a minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Classic science fiction at its best. Available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R O C K O I D S.com. Hunters, anglers, campers, and survivalists. Get back to nature. Expand your horizons with the highest quality, most versatile, unique slingshots and slingbows on the market at slingbow.com. Slingbow products are compact and models start from just $17.98. They're perfect for your bug out bag or storing in your vehicle. Give yourself and your loved ones the excitement and tradition of Slingbow. A new frontier in archery and truly modern twist on this primitive survival tool. Feel the thrill only at slingbow.com. Anytime, any place, anywhere, radio remains the most intimate of all forms of media. At home, at work, in the car, on smartphones. Over 90% of consumers still listen to radio every week. That makes choosing radio as a place to advertise your business one of the best decisions you can make. Email advertise at GCNlive.com and partner up with an experienced GCN representative. Advertise at GCNlive.com. Easy, affordable, effective. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Now, just to let you know, and obviously I can reorganize this, my desktop folder is about 300 gigabytes. The thing that bothers me so much about evaluating the cost of this is that with Apple, there's no way to install a third-party SSD in there in these, a lot of these That's computers. Fair. If I could, I can get the terabyte solid-state drive for, what, $250? Yeah, get a two-terabyte for like five or six, not the price Apple but charges. you don't need it. You're foolish to spend that kind of money. I'm saying, but the point being, I can get it 
a lot cheaper. Yeah, but you're still foolish to spend even that much, whereas you could buy two external hard drives, one for your data and one to back up all your data for less than it would cost for the SSD. That's the thing. People people are getting tricked into this idea that SSDs are important for all their files, and they're not. And, and this is why Apple um, developed uh, – well, they didn't develop. But this is why Apple um, focused on the Fusion Drive, because the Fusion Drive has a small flash memory segment. I, there may be like 8 gigabytes or 4 gigabytes, which is no, more no, than no. enough. No, no, no. It depends on the model, but normally it's 128 for the larger drives. Gigabytes. Yeah, 128 gigabytes of flash in a in a fusion drive? Yeah. A oh. terabyte fusion drive has 128. Fusion in terms drives. of the 2 and 3 terabyte fusion drives, it's 128. I think it's 64 on the smaller fusion drives now. 128, you're getting there probably 90% of the speed of a pure SSD and you're saving what? For a 3 terabyte drive, you're saving maybe $1500. Yeah. And so the way the fusion drive works is it knows which files you're going to be using after a while, after the first time you boot your operating system. Um, it stores those files. It stores copies of those files on the flash memory part. Um, and what this does is it means that you're, you've got the equivalent of an SSD and the storage of a hard drive. As you say, it's a little bit slower than a standard SSD. But you're getting the best of both worlds in a single drive at a much more affordable price. And and that's really the way to go, in my opinion. Or just use an external drive um, for your data, which is what I do. I've got a an 8-terabyte external drive for all my media. It's only half full, but that way I just don't have to worry about keeping things internally. It's just, it makes no sense. Well, I'm going to configure here a 27-inch iMac from Apple's current line. This is the one that's top of the line, $2299. And it gives you, in terms of storage, a two terabyte fusion drive. Now, you go to three terabytes for $100. Okay? Or you go a half terabyte solid state drive for $100. You want to go to a terabyte, it's $500, that may be questionable. Two terabytes is $1,300. Yeah. But if you can get a three terabyte fusion drive for $100 more than two terabytes, heck, sure. Yeah. Personally, I would stick with the SSD and the external drive because I think it's really great to not have any moving parts inside your computer. It's not that you're going to pick up your iMac and carry it around while it's while it's on, but it's one less thing to worry about. You know, a, a spinning hard drive gives off more heat than an SSD. The, the SSD is a little bit faster than the Fusion drive for the flash part. And plus, you've got that option of getting whatever size external drive you want. You know, as I said, that eight terabyte external drive I bought, you get one for around $200. Instead of limiting yourself to one or two terabytes in a Fusion drive, if you have a lot of data, you may eventually need to get another external drive. It seems to me more logical to just get that external drive right away and just get a pure SSD. Well, as I said, Apple sells a standard configuration with a Fusion drive. I'm not buying a new computer tomorrow. So it's not something I would consider at this point, but a couple of years down the pike, assuming everything's okay and I have the money, I can make a decision. Now, there may be a point there where it's just a couple hundred dollars difference to go all SSD as opposed to a regular hard drive. It may come down to that point. If and when it does, I could rethink about it. I understand the point of being more economical. If I can get a three terabyte fusion drive for 100 or $200 more as opposed to the standard drive, that makes a lot of sense now. 
But if I can get a two terabyte solid state drive for 200, 300 more than that, so long and short of it is here, I think there's a time where solid state drives will be only slightly higher. You disagree? Oh, I definitely agree. Um, you know, we've seen the price come down drastically since the first Mac that had a solid state drive. It was the MacBook Air back in 2008. It doubled the price of the computer. This is what it does. It gets cheaper and faster and gives you more capacity and, and all that. And we're going to see this happen, you know, very quickly, I think. I gather here there's nothing in Apple's current product line that tempts you enough to replace what you have. Absolutely not. No. Um, and we've talked about this several times. My iMac is getting on three years old. Um, the new iMacs don't really do anything for me. They don't add anything. My iMac is fast enough. I will keep this more than three years. It'll be out of Apple Care, and that always worries me in the sense that, you know, if something goes wrong and this is the computer I do most of my work on, um, then I could be screwed. But this will be the first time since I've been a professional tech writer that I will take that risk. And you also have to consider you have a backup, you have other computers. I have a MacBook as well, which can be a backup for, you know, um, certain it, it I could do most of my work on the MacBook. It's less comfortable. So if I need to use it for a week or two while something's getting repaired, that's entirely possible. And bear in mind this thing, too. And that is you have to weigh a cost. If something happens to that iMac, what will it cost to fix it? It's a lot cheaper to spend $500 to fix something than to buy a new computer for 2000 Yeah, but you have to weigh the, the value of fixing something old versus buying something new. Um, you know, I, I haven't, I, I did have one problem. I had the display panel replaced. Um, that was pretty early on. Um, other than that, it's been pretty rock solid. So I'm not really that worried. And bear in mind also, if there's a real serious defect in the product, Apple will have an extended repair program for it. You know, if the, if the displays were to go earlier than they should, that would be enough for Apple to have some kind of repair program. It's not as if you'd be stuck. There'd be a way to get it fixed. You might have to wait for it. That might be the issue. Yeah. That I think would be the biggest thing to worry about. But, uh, you know, again, um, we know that Macs are generally reliable, so I'm not really too worried. Remember, Kirk, I haven't used as much as you would, but I have a 2010 MacBook Pro, 17-inch. I put in the half terabyte solid-state drive. I added memory, 8 gigs instead of 4. It's working fine. It's not the fastest beast in the block, but the SSD makes it work fairly smoothly. It's fairly snappy. It's running the high Sierra public beta. So... I expect at this point, maybe next year, the next Mac OS, it won't run on. But getting seven years of useful life out of a computer, maybe eight years, with yeah, no repair costs, whatever, just the yep. cost of getting these upgrades, I think it's a pretty good deal. I, I do, too. I think it's quite a good deal. And, you know, for me, uh, I've explained this before, I, I used to update every 18 to 24 months because you needed the newer Macs to get all the features to work, but you don't anymore. Um, and, and this, of course, is, is, is a big change as far as Apple's concerned, as far as, as far as them selling more Macs is concerned, that it's going to be a lot easier for people to keep their Macs for a long time. Um the, the 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 people who need a new Mac every couple of years are the ones for whom um, getting that ten minute faster video render in the day 
that they're doing five times a day every day is saving money. But no one else really needs a new Mac because of speed anymore, unless they've got something that's as old as yours. And remember, in my iMac, I am uploading a lot of YouTube videos. We set up a PowerCast YouTube channel. So it takes time for iMovie to encode it and upload. And if I got a brand new iMac, maybe it would get the encoding done 10 minutes faster. It's true. But you know what? But how many times a day do you do that? Well, the problem is here is I do it a lot more often, but my internet speed isn't fast enough. Okay. So I can only get five or six up there a day, and I'm trying to put 250 to 300. So it's going to take probably a couple of months to finish it. But I've got 60 or 70 as we speak, so I'm getting past that. And maybe there's hope we'll have better internet. We've got more to come. One more segment with Kirk McElhern. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Neighbors, I want to tell you about my favorite graphics app. It's the award-winning Graphic Converter. You know, Graphic Converter is the universal genius for photo editing on your Mac. Join over one and a half million loyal users for this Swiss Army Knife photo editing app. It gives you all you expect from a top-flight image editing app with tons of features. And most important, it's easy to use. It's also far less expensive than that other app that you can only get by subscription. You know, the one I'm talking about. What's more, you can get 20% off with your order right now. So write this down to learn about Graphic Converter. Go to www.lemkesoft.de slash gene. Let me spell that www.lemkesoft.de slash gene. Investing is a long-term process. How many times can you think of in the last decade that the stock market has destroyed retirement funds for people just like you and me? For your existing IRA, you need the security that gold has provided for centuries. Remember, gold has never been worth zero. Capital Gold would like to introduce you to the Home Storage Gold IRA. It's a self-directed IRA set up with all the protection and tax benefits of an LLC. But the big difference in this IRA is you invest in gold and you hold it in your possession. You can't do that with stocks. That's security. You can transfer any type of IRA hassle-free in days. Please call right now and learn more, and we'll waive the $500 setup fee and give you a free safe to store your gold. Call 800-281-4224. 800-281-4224. That's 800-281-4224. Are you looking to become more self-sufficient? Then you need to have your own energy source. The Solark EMP hardened generator is automatic, maintenance-free, and reduces your monthly electric bill. You can also take it off-grid when you go camping. Contact PortableSolarLLC.com or call for details at 972-575-8875 today. Portable Solar LLC gives you everything you need to start using solar energy in less than one hour. Solark EMP hardened solar generator energy insurance for your family or business. Call Portable Solar LLC today. 
When fresh liquid whey is processed into a dry powder, the special proteins that make up the whey lose their original shapes. They fold in on themselves and lose their functional value. One World Whey undergoes a technological enhancement that we believe restores these potent proteins back to their original shapes the body can use. I chose to try One World Whey first before going to a doctor who would likely only prescribe drugs. To my delight, it worked. After stabbing pain for years, to have it completely gone is a miracle. I'd like to also stress that, for me, it took several months of taking One World Way before I had improvement, and then an entire year for my gut to feel 100% healed. So now I tell my friends, give your body time to make use of the healing power of One World Way. Call 888-988-3325 or visit OneWorldWay.com. That's OneWorld, W-H-E-Y.com. Imagine what it's like to be active your whole life and then find out you're going blind. I have age-related macular degeneration, or AMD. As a wife, mother, and grandmother, my sight is precious to me, so I was relieved to find that treatments for some forms of AMD are available and research for additional treatments is underway. Call the Foundation Fighting Blindness today at 1-800-BLINDNESS for a free packet on reversing or managing AMD. Or go to the website, fightblindness.org, where I found so much helpful information. Call 1-800-BLINDNESS today. We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. So I know you haven't read much about this. We've got all these these crazy iPhone 8 rumors. Oh, my God. It's not going to have Touch ID. Oh, my God. This feature is not going to work. Oh, my God. That feature is not going to work. The sky is falling. Apple's in a panic. They're freaking out. It sounds like Samsung is paying reporters to write this. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's also that they just need to write something. So people are just, I wouldn't call it fake news because that's the term that's been overused. But I think a lot of people are writing things that they get some tiny little leak about something and then they're extrapolating and making it sound like it's something a lot bigger than it is. It's, you know, they got to drum up news because there's not much news. So, Well, you make that point very much. Fake news or whatever, there's not much news. Yeah, Nothing's really going on. Apple's already had its developers conference. Yeah, Apple's not going to be announcing anything until they announce it. As we get closer, we're going to get um, leaks from case manufacturers. So we're going to know what the body looks like. And Apple's going to leak stuff themselves because, you know, a lot of these leaks do come from Apple. Um, But for now, it's just a lot of speculation going on, I think. Yeah, when we get the Apple leaks in, things get really interesting. Yep. Okay, next. Then things get fascinating. You know, we get the Apple leaks And then we know things are really going to be happening. But the only real leaks we'll get in terms of Apple are probably not until the week before the rollout. Well, it depends on whether they want to leak something sort of preemptively to a shot across the bow to Samsung or another company. And and sometimes they do that. They do let some information out. Anything to freak out Samsung. Do you think that was what happened with the Galaxy Note 7? Samsung freaked out? You mean the fact that it exploded? 
Yeah, they they rushed it out so fast. Some people have suggested that, but I'm not sure I'd believe that. I, I think they just had a problem that, you know, that they, they just had a manufacturing issue. I don't think it had anything to do with um, uh, that, that they had to get it out before the iPhone 7. I, I really, that would be surprising. It's just something where the quality control wasn't as tight as it should be, whatever. But it's still the double standard. We have the Samsung Galaxy S8. We've mentioned this before. They throw the fingerprint sensor in the back because they can't make it work in the front, which is why with the iPhone 8 speculation, you know, edge-to-edge OLED display, maybe Apple has to have the same problem that Samsung did. They've got facial recognition that can be defeated by a simple digital photograph on another Samsung phone or maybe even an iPhone. They've got an iris sensor that can be defeated. So you have three biometric systems, two of which are flawed. And I'm surprised Samsung isn't getting more bad press. Oh, by the way, Bixby, the digital assistant, I think it only works still in South Korea. So, you know, if you flew yeah, in Korea, yeah, it's was great. A, but if you're in America, forget about English. it. It needs to learn English. Well, you know. If Apple came out with any comparable situation, the iPhone 8's got three biometric sensors. Touch ID is going to be difficult to reach in the back. The facial recognition and iris sensors are flawed, not secure enough. The Siri stopped working, except if you live in, I don't know, Hawaii or snow. Unless you live in some other country, Norway. You live in Norway, Siri works, but nowhere else. Comparable situation. You would not hear the end of it. Yeah, well, that's what Apple does. They don't release things... Well, I was going to say they don't release things that don't work, but we have seen cases where things don't work perfectly, um, but they just do it a little bit differently. You remember, Samsung has a huge market in Asia that, you know, Apple has only started tapping into. Um, So that's their main market, and and that's what they focused on first. But again, this is complicated stuff. I I really think that for the Samsung thing, it was just a sort of production error that they weren't able to detect in, in their testing. Um, and it's a shame, but I, I doubt it had anything to do with them being in too much of a hurry or any other odd speculation like that. Yeah, just because their CEO has been arrested for corruption. Yeah, that too. Um, but remember, Samsung is a huge company. They don't just make um, computers and phones like Apple. You know, it's a huge consumer electronics company. So it's it's a different structure when you have a company that size. And they don't make all their money from mobile phones. If they stop no. making mobile phones tomorrow. It wouldn't have a big effect on their bottom line. Exactly. Yeah, unlike Apple, for whom the iPhone is, you know, number one. So if something's going to happen there, fine. I just think it's the usual early nervousness on the part of the media when a new Apple product is expected. It's always going to be difficult to get it out on time. It's going to be late. Certain features won't work. They're going to use last year's example of the iPhone 7 Plus, where the portrait mode had to be enabled in software like a month after it came out. Yeah. Because it wasn't perfect. But Apple demonstrated it. They showed it can work, and maybe it needed a few bits of fine-tuning. But that's it. That's about what you get. Occasionally, a feature needs to be developed a little bit more. But to say... Key features won't work. This won't be there. Apple is not going to release an iPhone 8 if it exists or any iPhone without Touch ID or something comparable because that's critical to the way 
a lot of their it's, services work. You've got Apple. It's not Pay. just critical to services. Apple, you said it right there. Apple Pay. Um, Apple, you know, Apple's looking to the future where um, it's not iPhones that are going to make them money. It's things like um, it's the services that are going to make them money. And if they can, if they can become a middleman in billions and billions and trillions of dollars of financial tra- transactions, that's a huge amount of money. They're not going to release an iPhone that cannot support Apple Pay. That's simply impossible. That's why this speculation is dumb. Again, is a competitor fueling some of that comment? Is it just spontaneous idiocy? Is it spontaneous that- idiocy? It could be, but it could be competitors. It could be journalists making things up. And, you know, there's always the fact that these companies patent things, and you look at Apple's patents and you think what they're going to do. But um, companies also patent things because that way they own the technology, and if someone else wants to use it, they can make money on it, even if they're not going to use a given technology. It's, you know, it's a cutthroat business. We're talking about a company that will soon be worth a trillion dollars. Um, it's a cutthroat business, and they have to do what they have to do. Uh, I'm, I'm actually kind of interested in the rumors about the pricing of the next iPhone, whether it's going to be the iPhone 8 or, as some people told us, the iPhone X. Um, there, there are discussion. There are suggestions it'll be a thousand or twelve hundred dollars, or maybe even more. Um, you know, we we're talking earlier about the computing devices people buy, remember that they're less likely to want to spend money on a laptop or a desktop computer because they are spending so much on their mobile phones. Seven, eight hundred dollars, nine hundred dollars for an iPhone. Kirk, please tell our listeners if they want to find out more of what you do, where do they go? You, you can visit my website, Kirkville. It's at www.kirkville.com. And you can check out my music podcast called The Next Track, where we talk about how people listen to music today. It is at thenexttrack.com. Kirk McElhern, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Thanks for having me again, Gene. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. This is Dan Pillard. Do you owe the IRS money you can't pay? Are tax debts crippling you? I've defended people from the IRS for over 30 years. I've helped thousands and I can help you too. I wrote the book on IRS settlement and I'm telling you, there's no such thing as a hopeless case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX to finally get free of IRS debt. With the IRS's new programs, there's never been a better time to solve your problem. Call 800-34-NO-TAX. That's 800-34-NO-TAX or my website, danpilla.com. Looking for that edge during those intimate moments? We see many ads for enhancement, but the side effects include death. At GCN Team, we should change the Healthy Body Brain and Heart Pack to the Healthy Libido Pack. The brain and heart are not the only organs that require a healthy vascular system. For proper blood flow at the right moment, go to GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. That's 877-878-4203. That's 877-878-4203. 
Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of MyPillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat. I would flip-flop all night long. I would wake up with a sore neck, maybe a headache, or feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. When I invented MyPillow, I wanted it to where you can move the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. MyPillow will get you into that deep REM sleep faster, and you will stay there longer. It's not about how much time we spend in bed. It's about how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all of my own manufacturing right here in the United States. I have a 10-year warranty. You can wash and dry my pillow, and I give you a 60-day money-back guarantee so you have nothing to lose. And here's my best offer ever. You can buy one of my pillows and get one absolutely free. Go to MyPillow.com or call 800-870-0305 and use promo code GCN. That's MyPillow.com or 800-870-0305 with promo code GCN. Are you happy washing your hands with harsh chemicals? Are you happy doing laundry with detergents? Are you happy paying high prices? Find your happiness with Pure Soap. These all-natural, earth-friendly Pure Soaps are the very best you've ever used. Buy in bulk. Get a 12, 36, or 48-month supply. Or get items individually and still save big. You're getting soap products twice as good as what you're using now. Earth-friendly and natural soaps. Your family deserves the best. Happiness is 5starsoap.com. Why not put your money up the drain for a change? See them at 5starsoap.com or call 1-800-340-7091 for a catalog. Calben Soap Company can save you thousands of dollars and give you good old-fashioned real soaps that are triple concentrated. Soaps made from vegetable and coconut oils. See their full selection of soaps at 5starsoap.com. That's F-I-V-E starsoap.com. Or call 1-800-340-7091 for a catalog. Hi, Peter Vaccaro for ParanormalDate.com. Are you looking for love in all the wrong places? Now you have a chance to change that by signing up for free at ParanormalDate.com. This incredible dating site puts people of like minds together. People who are interested in the strange, the unusual, mysteries, ghosts, UFOs, and the afterlife, and so much more. ParanormalDate.com was developed for you, people seeking a viable alternative to the other dating services. You can join for free by going to ParanormalDate.com, and if you decide you like it and want to connect with people, use the code GEORGE for a substantial discount. Mark Rawlings, president of ParanormalDate.com, says so many people hunger to share their experiences about the paranormal, the unexplainable, or the afterlife, and so much more, and this is the source for them to meet and share that common interest. So sign up for free at ParanormalDate.com, ParanormalDate.com, and use the code GEORGE if you decide to connect with someone you like. What's going to happen next? You never know when you're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. So we have Josh Centers. And Josh, what are you doing as we speak? I am uh, broadcasting from my iPad Pro newly acquired and uh using my apple airpods so we'll see how this holds up today i am an ipad professional now so i'm using my ipad professionally well we've used iphones in the past with skype and it seems to work okay depending on the mic i'd say that the airpods are not the greatest mic but you sound like yourself so if one can sound like themselves 
there's not much to complain about it, right? Well, it's better than using a landline telephone. <laughs> well, that depends. If you have a really, really good landline, it's not that much better. But it certainly is acceptable. Let's just leave it at that. But now you're totally immersed in the iPad ecosystem. You have AirPods. You going to get a HomePod? Uh, you know, I kind of doubt it. I mean, you know, the main reason I got the iPad Pro was for professional use for updating my iOS book. And, uh, you know, professionally, I have a hard, I'm going to have a hard time justifying it. Was it going to be a $400 speaker? You know, I'm sure it'll be, I'm sure it'll sound good. These iPad Pro speakers are amazing, but, uh, you yeah, know, probably, probably hold off on the HomePod for the time being. Okay, so the thing about it is Apple is certainly making a big foray into making the iPad more useful as a productive tool. And iOS 11 is an example of that. Mm -hmm. So I assume you're running the beta right now. Yes, I'm running the uh, third developer beta. Okay, I am running the beta on my iPhone right now. Now, maybe I should not have done that, but it seems to do most things fairly well. Usually by beta 3, beta 4, things are working pretty well. Your battery life won't be as good, and uh, you still have the background uh, diagnostic stuff running, which is going to affect performance and battery life somewhat. But, you know, most things work pretty well. There's still a few uh, bugs here and there. Now, High Sierra, on the usable. other hand, is not useful yet to me. I'm running it on a very old macbook pro probably the oldest macbook pro it supports 2010 because i'm not going anywhere right now so i can afford to give up this machine and devote it to running a beta operating system and that's a very important point to mention to listeners mac windows whatever be careful about the betas don't use it on a production machine unless you're writing a book about it and since i'm not writing a book about high sierra i don't worry about it but Sleep mode is broken on there. You close the cover of that MacBook Pro and it freezes. It has some problems downloading messages with mail. And that's just two things that I notice. And there are probably others. It runs fine. The conversion to the new Apple file system went off seamlessly. This is not, you know, the slowest MacBook Pro because it has an SSD in it. So performance is not bad. But... I would have thought this is the third developer beta of High Sierra. It would have started to settle down now, maybe next time. It will not go on my iMac for a while. Yeah, I'll probably put uh, the fourth beta on my MacBook Pro, my secondary machine, uh, mostly to help with uh, testing and you know, for take control and tidbits and such. But I never put... Uh, well, because I don't write a, a Mac OS book, so I don't really have a reason to run the beta other than just, uh, you know, testing things for the iOS end and, and uh, helping other authors out. So I, I don't usually do that. But now that I have, have a second Mac, I, I have the luxury of doing so. Uh, but, yeah, I, n I never put it on my, my iMac's my main machine, and I, I never put the beta on there. In fact, I usually don't even put the first release of a new operating system on there. I'll wait till like, you know, point one, point two, something like that. Well, I'm not that crazy, but if the MacBook Pro reaches a point where it's running pretty decently, I'll go. I think part of the hesitancy is the fact that it's converting 
to the new file system. That's pretty drastic. So I want to be careful. Yeah, um, it went extremely smoothly on iOS, of course. I mean, that's apples and oranges uh, in a lot of ways. But the clever thing they they apparently did, uh, Apple apparently did with uh, APFS on iOS is, um, I think it was the 10.2 update that a lot of people had trouble with. And apparently the reason a lot of people had trouble with it is because Apple stealthily converted some iOS devices to APFS and then rolled it back. Um, and that's also why uh, that they took a really long time to install for people. And I think that's part of the reason why it, con- it converted to APFS, sent a report back to Apple, converted it back to uh, HFS plus, and, uh, and they used that for a test bed. But, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, I mean, because ch- changing file systems is not a, is not an easy thing in the, in the computer world. So the fact that they were, they were able to pull that off so smoothly, uh, yeah, I think it's a really good sign. And it's a, it's a super impressive uh, technological accomplishment. Well, it was 10.3 where it officially converted everyone, but suddenly in one fell swoop, hundreds of millions of people are converted to a new file system without much in the way of pre-announcements, and it went off pretty much without a hitch. Maybe some of the experimentation went awry, but this just went off perfectly. I'm not seeing complaints at all. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, it was. It came out in 10.3, but uh, they used 10.2, or it may have been a, a, one of the smaller 10.2 releases, but they used an earlier release to test it. And so w- when you installed it, it took a really long time. I remember that being a big deal at the time. That's because they'd convert to APFS, convert it back to HFS+. Plus. You're never the wiser, but they, they use that to gather data and see uh, what might go wrong. And so when they actually unrolled APFS in 10.3, it, uh, it went really well. So I'd be curious to know if um, they've done any of that kind of testing in Sierra. And I bet they probably have at some point. Maybe we'll find out at some point in the future. I would think it would have to be very carefully targeted to track. Maybe public beta testers got it and didn't know. But then even then, you have to warn people. You know, we've got to tell people what we're talking about here. I mean, we've had a few discussions about this, but we have a wide range of audiences. And therefore, when we start talking about things like new file systems, we should explain this. Okay, so I'm, I'm not the, the most super technical person, but I'll try to explain it as best as I can. So a file system, in essence, is the software mechanism by which uh, your operating system uh, manages, like, files. It's the really nitty-gritty sort of thing. A lot of people, you know, when they talk about the file system, they'll talk about Finder or iCloud Drive or the uh, the new files app in iOS 11. That's not the file system. That's just the interface to the file system. The file system is actually uh, what, you know, the software that determines where things go on the physical disk and, and how that's managed. Um, you know, back when we mostly used platter hard drives, it would determine, oh, what sector, what, you know, little groove in the, in the magnet or, you know, however all that works, you know, like, where does that go physically on the disk? Well, so for a long time, basically since the dawn of the Mac, uh, the Mac file system has been something called HFS. And in the 90s, they 
updated that to something called HFS Plus, which is basically the same thing, just uh, extra features and stuff tacked on to modernize it. Well, over time, storage technology has changed a lot, and what people expect from storage has changed a lot. For instance, we don't use a lot of platter, you know, for one thing, hard drives store a lot more than they used to. It went from, you know, like 30, a whopping 30 megabytes or so to, you know, four terabytes uh, for hard drives. And we also moved from spinning platters to solid state drives. And also in that time, people wanted features like uh, total drive encryption, which is enabled by things currently by things like FileVault. Let's continue our next segment with Josh Centers. Oh, tidbits. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night How Live. You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. I'm here to tell you about GCNTelecare.com, a team of board-certified doctors assisting you 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. Within 15 minutes of registration, care your family can afford. Revolutionizing the healthcare industry, virtual consulting, providing diagnosis of non-emergency medical issues by phone or secure video on computer or smart mobile devices. GCNTelecare.com, virtual care anywhere. Fully cooked, ready-to-eat bacon. I'm talking thick, meaty, center-cut, presidential bacon. Savory and delicious. I buy some, I use some, I store some. Awesome. No refrigeration needed with a 10-year shelf life. NASA pack technology. Bacon. Fully cooked, fully hydrated, ready-to-eat right from the pack bacon. Or warm and served. Life-saving, ready-to-eat bacon. 10-year shelf life bacon. Ships free at FullyCookedBacon.com. FullyCookedBacon.com. Hunters, anglers, campers, and survivalists. Get back to nature. Expand your horizons with the highest quality, most versatile, unique slingshots and slingbows on the market at slingbow.com. Slingbow products are compact and models start from just $17.98. They're perfect for your bug out bag or storing in your vehicle. Give yourself and your loved ones the excitement and tradition of slingbow. A new frontier in archery and truly modern twist on this primitive survival tool. Feel the thrill only at slingbow.com. If you're 85 or younger, would you like peace of mind and comfort for your family? We're Final Expense Direct with an urgent message for you. The average funeral today costs over $8,000, but the most you'll get from government benefits is $255. How will your family pay the difference? 
We can help. Our senior plans start as low as just a dollar a day and pay up to $30,000 for a funeral and other final expenses. Peace of mind is easy. There's no medical exam. You'll have lifetime coverage, and your plan can't be canceled as long as you pay your premiums. Call now for free information about our senior plans. Answer a few simple questions and receive approval right on the phone. Plus, call right now and we'll give you a discount prescription card for free. Call 800-557-0158. That's 800-557-0158. Again, 800-557-0158. Ralph, remember when you said you were going to start paying more attention to your health and now you're eating potato chips? Just a few. A few, okay, but you should be eating Superberries Aronia Berries. Aroni what? Aronia Berries from Superberries.com. They're known for having one of the highest levels of antioxidants that helps with overall wellness. Go to superberries.com slash radio. And right now we get a free smoothie recipe book with our order. Plus we can save $4 at checkout. Wow, look at all the benefits of these berries. I know, Ralph, I know. Choose health, eat purple, superberries.com. What are you listening to? The Tech Night Isle Live with Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know. So Josh Centers is engaging in the instruction for the new video, APFS for Dummies. He's telling you from the standpoint of somebody who's not sophisticated about file systems, how it works for the rest of us. So we understand all the non-geek stuff. Go ahead, please. So APFS or uh, the Apple file system is a, a new kind of file system. You know, HFS was like close to 30 years old, which is just ancient in technological terms. So Apple designed this new file system from the ground up to, um, work better with solid-state drives, which didn't even exist when HFS uh, was created. You know, it's designed to be optimized for SSDs, you know, and, and to better optimize for more modern technologies. It has a lot of whiz-bang features built into it. Um, most importantly, it has, a thought, it has a disk encryption built into it. So I'm not quite sure how this works in High Sierra. I don't know if you'll still have to enable FileVault. But um, suffice to say, with APFS, there will be a, a built-in, low-level way to do this drive encryption. Which in th- So the takeaway, the, the lay English common man takeaway from APFS is that your devices should run more efficiently. They should run faster. And you'll have some more little built-in features that you probably won't notice on the surface. But that's really the takeaway is that your your storage will be faster, it should be more reliable, uh, and it should be more efficient. And you don't have to worry about the rest. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's basically the takeaway. It's just, you know, they're taking some super, like, ancient uh, low-level code, and, and they've rewritten it to, uh, you know, reflect, uh, you know, modern storage technology. So, I mean, really, what I'm hoping from APFS is that it's going to make uh, Max more responsive. I personally have noticed uh, since 10.3, my iPhones and iPads have been more responsive because uh, one of the biggest bottlenecks in system performance these days, processors are fast, graphics processors are fast, there's tons of RAM, the RAM is 
you know, the, the RAM, the memory is fast. The, the slowest thing is storage, especially if you have a spinning platter. But even if you have an SSD, there are different kinds of speeds of SSD. But even in that case, it still takes longer than you, would, than you might think for files to be accessed from a drive. Uh, and and your computer, especially your Mac, accesses stuff from that storage constantly. Um, so you know anything they do to streamline that low-level system stuff is going to make your system faster and more responsive. Now, remember, Apple did have an interim upgrade to HFS back in like the late 90s or something, HFS Plus. But that may have been just taking the existing file system and putting scotch tape and stitching on it to bring it up to date. Yeah, essentially, that's what they did. And part of the reason they did is, as I mentioned before, switching between file systems is not an insignificant thing to do. And especially back in the 90s when we had far less computational power and we didn't have this ubiquitous broadband access that there is now and and all this sort of thing they can use for all this elaborate testing, it, it was always a risky proposition. Microsoft did something similar last decade when they switched from uh, their old DOS file system, uh, FAT32. I don't know. Uh, it's a file allocation table, if you're wondering why it's called FAT. And they switched to something called, what is it, NTFS? Um, I think it's something like Next Technology File System, something like that. It was originally developed for Windows NT back in the day. Well, they switched from FAT32 to the NTFS. I think that happened with Windows XP. And I believe... Yeah, well, don't, I think they may have changed file systems since then. But, you know, this is something that, uh, you know, happens every now and then. Uh, Microsoft's actually a little ahead of this than, uh, than Apple is. So uh, this Apple file system thing is totally overdue, way overdue. I think the logical question to ask with all these changes... Why did it take so long for Apple to get around to this? Well, you know, that's uh, that's really a question for the engineers at Apple. I imagine a lot of it is the fact that change, you know, up switching between file systems is a difficult proposition because anytime you mess with the file system, you're running the risk of destroying data. You know, I mean, that's I mean, I mean, because you're basically. It's like rearranging the framing on your house. It can be done. Um, it perhaps may be beneficial for you to do so, but um, there's a significant risk of damage when you do that. And it's a big, messy project, and you may not get enough benefit to really see, uh, you know, to make the risk worthwhile. And I think Apple had just gotten to the point where HFS Plus was really starting to hold back the entire ecosystem. And Apple had, you know, all these sophisticated ways of testing things and making this a very smooth process for users where you probably won't even notice it as an end user. So I think the time uh, just became right. Well, glad to see that it's happened. What else can I say? And as I would also point out, those of you who have iPhone, iOS 10.3 or later, you know what APFS is. Obviously, it's a lot more complicated on the Mac because... There are so many different configurations. You're dealing with thousands of different possibilities of third-party storage devices. It's not as controlled as an iPhone. But then upgrading the file system for a few hundred million people 
in the span of a few weeks is got to be something else. Let's get back to this iPad Pro. This is which size? Ten and a half inch? Yeah. Okay. Now, most of us have had a 9.7 inch iPad. This particular case is almost the same size except the screen bezel is slimmer. That's how they get the bigger screen on, right? Yeah, the um, well, I'm actually holding it in my hands right now. The the top and bottom bezels where the front-facing camera and the home button are are about the same size as before, but those side bezels are quite a bit slimmer. So, yeah, there's, there's more screen, less bezel, and the overall size isn't much larger than the 9.7-inch iPads. And it's a good... Um, I, I really enjoy the screen size because... I've handled the was it the twelve point nine inch uh, iPad Pro. I, you know, I handled that in the store, and to me, um, it's just it's too big. Like the screen size is nice, but I'm just afraid I would break the thing. I would snap the thing somehow. Um, it just feels uncomfortably large, like almost unnaturally large. The uh, the ten and a half inch, you know, you wouldn't think roughly an inch of screen space would then make that much of a difference, but it really, it really does, especially when it comes to multitasking and uh, typing on the on-screen keyboard. It, it really, it's really a lot more room than you might imagine it to be. And without any significant drawback, you know, in size um, or anything like that. So it's still a very manageable size, but you, you have a lot more screen space. It's, it's just a lot more efficient, um, so, yeah, I think they definitely made a good call uh, moving to a 10.5-inch screen for this. What's interesting, and what isn't obvious unless you've read the benchmarks, is that this thing performs almost as fast, according to the benchmarks, as a MacBook Pro. Which, I'm not sure if that's good for the iPad Pro or if it's bad for the MacBook Pro. <laughs> but... um uh, yeah, it is a very uh, responsive machine. I, I have to say the 10.5-inch iPad Pro is probably the most responsive computer I've ever used. You know, between the combination of uh, the powerful internals and the efficiency of iOS, it, uh, it's very snappy. Everything's instant. Uh, just no slowdowns whatsoever. And, um, you know, a lot of people are ooing and aahing over the 120 hertz uh, refresh rate on the screen. Uh, which I don't think it's game-changing, but you definitely notice it. I think it's part of what helps make the whole machine feel a lot more responsive because it, you know everything that happens is just that much smoother and that much more responsive. Should Apple be doing that with MacBook Pros? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I think they will eventually. Well, it comes at a time where it was felt that maybe the lure of the tablet had come and gone and the iPad sales were going down. So now that we have it and now that you have this product here, now that you've seen the results, can Apple make a really compelling case for using an iPad as a productivity device? We'll have more to come with Josh Centers and the answer on the Tech Night Out Live.
for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. It's a no-brainer. A Big Berkey water filter is the one you need, period. You need a water filter that removes chlorine, fluoride, pharmaceuticals, BPA, and other endocrine disruptors, pesticides, bacteria, viruses, and much more, right? And does it all at only two cents per gallon. Get the original and most trusted name in gravity water filtration, Big Berkey. And now GCN listeners receive 5% off ceramic filter systems using code GCN. Call or click 1-877-99-BERKEY or BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. That's 1-877-99-BERKEY. The answer to being in control of your own health care is freedom from insurance. Become part of a group of self-pay patients that come together to share in each other's medical expenses. Individual share amounts begin at $107 a month and $347 for families. Choose from three health sharing programs. Holistic treatments may be eligible for sharing. See guidelines. Discount programs available for dental, vision, and pharmacy. Go to libertyoncall.org. That's libertyoncall.org. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So being productive on an iPad. So many people regard iPads as just for consumption. Watch Netflix surf the web, that sort of thing. But of course, there's a decent version of Microsoft Office for it, the iWork suite, and lots and lots of productivity apps. Now, before we get to production, let's consider a little factual dilemma Apple is engaged in here. So Apple says, when they say, why not put a touchscreen on a Mac? You can't mix a refrigerator with a toaster oven or vice versa. Take your choice. Now you take... Any iPad with a keyboard case, iPad Pro smart keyboard. And now you have a toaster oven merged with a refrigerator, do you not? Um, you know, when it comes to the, the iPad Pro as a work machine, and this is a very sensitive topic for some people, as I've discovered on Twitter. Some people get very offended if you say it's, it's, not, a, you know, it's not suitable as a work machine. And, you know, for some people... Uh, depending on their line of work, um, you know the iPad Pro is a great work machine. You know, especially if you if you you're in a creative field, well, especially if you're in a field where the Apple Pencil can really be made of use. You know, if you're the kind of person who has to sketch a lot of stuff and doodle things, uh, great machine for you. 
you know, if you mostly use Office, um, it it would it's probably a perfectly fine and flexible machine. For me, though, and here's the thing: it really just comes down to the software. You know, and there are certain apps I need for take control and tidbits that just are not on the iPad yet. You know, for instance, we use Nicest Writer Pro and certain specific features of that for take control manuscripts. Nicest Writer Pro is not on the iPad. BB Edit, there are certain specific BB Edit features that we need for our existing tidbits workflow. And uh, that also is not available on the iPad yet. Um, you know, we, we use Subversion to manage our, our articles, which is kind of unusual because Subversion is really for uh, code management. But, um, you know, this is the system we have right now. And there isn't really a good Subversion client for iOS. And given how unpopular Subversion is, I doubt there probably ever will be. Um, but even in simple things, I have difficulties. For instance, you know, on Tidbits, we have what we call extra bits, which are just like little, you know, just a link and like a little blurb of text to describe, you know, what the link to something is. You know, think like Daring Fireball, stuff like that. And the workflow for this between Adam Inks and I is I, uh, you know, I'll open up BB Edit. Or I can use any text editor for this. I'll draft up the text. Um, I will message Adam Inks on Slack, and I will create a Slack post, and I'll paste this text in there so he can look at it and edit it and then he will do so send it back to me and i take it copy it out of there and i open up a browser window i go to our content management system and i paste the stuff in there and post it uh that's a pretty standard workflow for a lot of uh journalists you know they'll draft up in slack and then paste it into the cms uh you know by a web browser well i tried to do this the other day Using the split screen on the iPad, I had you know Slack on one side of the screen, Safari on the other, and I tried to do this, and I copied the text out of the, the Slack post, pasted it in, nothing happened, nothing showed up. I tried to do this two or three times. Eventually, I just had to kind of throw my hands in the air, put the iPad down, get up off the couch, go to the Mac, sit down, and do that. I don't know what the problem was there. I don't know if it's a Slack thing. I don't know if it's a if, because I'm running the beta, but... That's a very basic bare bones thing. Take text, copy it from one app, paste it into a text box in another app. And that was one place where you know, I thought the iPad Pro would work, and it utterly failed there. All right. Obviously, we can't do this radio show on iPad because there is no equivalent of audio hijack to capture audio from multiple sources and mix it in one app. Now, it doesn't mean it can't be done. Apple has sandboxing, which restricts how apps communicate with one another. And Apple could devise a route, a path, and then such an app can come out. And I expect that there are possible developers who would do it. Once that happens, assuming the right audio editing, I would think that certainly the iPad would work with me on the road. In fact, it would be very convenient. I mean, the form factor has appeal, and um, just last night I purchased uh, the the smart keyboard case for it, and so far I'm really enjoying it. I'm enjoying how quickly, you know, I can take this thing from just pure tablet mode and just kind of snap, you know, pull it out, snap this keyboard to it, and you know, suddenly have um, a laptop-like surface for writing, you know, something longer form. 
So, you know, that itself is really nice. The problem with iPad is purely the software. If this thing ran Mac OS, and I'm not saying it should run Mac OS. I think that would be a terrible idea. But I'm just saying, just hypothetically, if this thing ran uh, Mac OS, something, you know, something a little more potent, then I, this might be the only machine I would need. But as it stands, there are so many odd limitations in iOS. And, and part of it is the app availability. You know, the apps I use, like you mentioned, Audio Hijack, that's an app I use. And it's a shame because it would make a perfect iPad app, at least the current version would. But yeah, that's not available. And it's not just that, but it's also, and, and I'm sure there's technical reasons why BB Edit and Audio Hijack and some of these apps aren't available, as well as business reasons. But then there's this stuff, you know, at the fundamental level of iOS, like just certain things, and it's hard to enumerate them because it's it's lots of little stuff that you take for granted on the Mac, and then you go and try to do it on iOS, and it just doesn't work. Um, I mean, that's getting better for sure. You know, you, you know, in iOS 11, you know, you have this dock, you have these multitasking features, uh, the drag and drop functionality is fantastic. I hope a lot of this stuff comes back to the Mac, honestly. Um, I think Apple's doing some pretty exciting stuff here, but, uh, you know, it's, it's surface level stuff. And to me, the, the, all the iPad specific features coming to iOS 11 are the kind of things the iPad probably needed three, four, even five years ago for it to be a compelling product. It's just now catching up. You know, they're just now starting to pay any kind of real attention to it. Um, but it's still way behind where it could be. So do we see like interim updates for iOS 11 or is iOS 12 going to be the magic bullet? Eh, I mean, you know, Apple's gotten a little better by adding uh, features to point releases but they're still stuck in this annual cycle, so I wouldn't expect anything um, just game-changing from, like, say, an iOS 11.3 or, or whatnot. I mean, we're probably going to have to wait until iOS 12 to really see uh, whatever the next generation of uh, this thing is going to be, which is all the more frustrating because, you know, one year in tech is a really long time. Right, but certainly Microsoft doesn't really understand that. They want to have the same operating system serve different kinds of products, tablets and traditional personal computers. So that's not a solution either. Well, you know, um, you know what they say about Microsoft? It takes them three times to get anything right. And, you know, I haven't used a Surface tablet extensively, but it's one of those things, you know, I always go play with one uh, when I see one in a store. And... You know, the, the first couple of Surfaces felt like jokes to me. But I recently tried out a Surface Pro 4 at, at a store, and I was honestly pretty impressed with it. Um, you know, I mean, it's still it's still kind of a kind of a cluster. It's still kind of a mess, but uh, it works a lot better than it used to. And honestly, if I were not tied to the Apple field. I would probably be taking a very close look at a Surface Pro 4 because you know you have a machine that you know it functions as a tablet and it functions you know as as a full on PC if that's what you need and it doesn't exactly do you know it won't be the tablet an iPad is and, and it won't be uh, the PC that a Mac or, or a Windows PC is but you know if if you were to have just one machine uh, you could probably do a lot worse than a Surface Pro. On and the I other hand, Microsoft turns, doesn't seem to be selling an awful lot of them. 
Sales were down 26% in the last quarter. We've got more to come with Josh Centers of Tidbits. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Neighbors, I want to tell you about my favorite graphics app. It's the award-winning Graphic Converter. You know, Graphic Converter is the universal genius for photo editing on your Mac. Join over one and a half million loyal users for this Swiss Army Knife photo editing app. It gives you all you expect from a top-flight image editing app with tons of features. And most important, it's easy to use. It's also far less expensive than that other app that you can only get by subscription. You know, the one I'm talking about. What's more, you can get 20% off with your order right now. So write this down to learn about Graphic Converter. Go to www.lemkesoft.de slash gene. Let me spell that. www.lemkesoft.de slash gene. How did you become addicted? A friend? Were you at a party and someone said, hey, try this? Then you got the cold sweats and started shaking. And the more you did it, the more it didn't work. So you switched to the needle. Now you're a train wreck. Drinking, drugging, broke. Your family hates you. And you hate you. Get out of your hell on earth now. Call the Detox and Treatment Helpline today for immediate help. In many cases, your insurance may cover the costs. We can't guarantee it, but we can guarantee we have what you need to change your life for the better. Pick up your cell phone and call right now. 855-700-2979-855-700-2979-855-700-2979. That's 855-700-2979. Water is the single most important thing your body needs, so you want to be sure it's the best for you and your family. Since 2005, thousands have depended on Berkey Purified Water. The Berkey Guy provides the lowest priced filtration systems in every size. For incredibly delicious water now and in an emergency, get to GoBerkey.com or call 877-886-3653. 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat. I would flip-flop all night long. I would wake up with a sore neck, maybe a headache, or feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. When I invented my pillow, I wanted it to where you can move the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. My pillow will get you into that deep REM sleep faster, and you will stay there longer. It's not about how much time we spend in bed. It's about how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all of my own manufacturing right here in the United States. I have a 10-year warranty. You can wash and dry my pillow, and I give you a 60-day money-back guarantee so you have nothing to lose. And here's my best offer ever. You can buy one of my pillows and get one absolutely free. Go to MyPillow.com or call 800-870-0305 and use promo code GCN. That's MyPillow.com or 800-870-0305 with promo code GCN. 
Lifetime Gray's 100% grass-fed beef has the health benefits you seek. When compared to conventional beef, it offers good fats while virtually eliminating the bad. That's the result of cattle who never eat grain, ever. Rich in antioxidants, including vitamin E, C, beta-carotene, and CLA. No artificial hormones, antibiotics, or other drugs. For all our fresh, non-cooked products with only 100% grass-fed beef, go to MidasResources.com. Use voucher code GCN to get 30% off your order. MidasResources.com or find us on Facebook. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow night owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. So this is the argument I keep making about Surface. If it's got such great ideas, why aren't people buying into it? Sales reached a certain point. They remain flat. Now they're down. I can't really tell you for sure. Um, I can share an anecdote, though. My uh, my father-in-law has a, a really old PC. It's like 10 years old. This is going to make you wince, Gene. This, it shouldn't make everyone who's listening wince. It runs Vista. <laughs> it's... His PC runs Vista. Hey, there and are PCs got, that run Windows XP, which is older than Vista. Yeah, actually, now that you mentioned, my mom runs one of my old laptops as XP, and it pains me to no end. But anyway, um, so it, it really old. Gotten, it's gotten infected with something. Who knows what? It's it's like one of those ransomware things that talks to you. It, it's really but. He can't run fi- like a new version of Firefox anymore. So anyway, he you know he, he asked me, well, well, you know, Josh, what what all's out there in the computer world now? And I told him about you know, well, you got you still got the desktops, and you got the laptops, and you got the, the Surface Pro, and you got the you got the iPad, and you know, I showed him the Macs and all this. And eventually, he just kind of threw up his hands and he picked the cheapest uh, desktop tower he could find on Amazon. He's like, oh, I'll go with that one. Because for him, you know, he, he prefers, uh, you know, sitting there at the desk. Uh, he doesn't really care for portability. And he doesn't want to spend a lot of money on it. And, you know, I mean, he could if he wanted to, but it's just not a priority for him. And so I think you have a lot of people in the Windows world, uh, and this has always kind of been the deal with, with the Windows world, who, you know, they don't fetishize their computers like we Apple people tend to. They're not geeky. They just, you know, they want to check their email and et cetera, et cetera. And they don't want to spend a lot of money doing it. Because uh, this is not not a high priority for them, so I think a lot of people take a look at the Surface, and the Surface isn't cheap. What's it like? It's like seven, eight hundred dollars starts at, and that's not with a keyboard or a, or a stylus or anything. That's just like the bare bones tablet, and it doesn't have a ton of storage, and it, um, you know, the specs aren't really spectacular, you know. And, and then you have another sector, you know. There's a lot of enthusiasts in the Windows world who they enjoy Windows. Because, you know, you can build custom build a PC and really cram a lot of performance into it, whether it's for gaming or virtual reality or just because you like doing that. And the Surface doesn't appeal to that either. So the Surface really would appeal more to the Apple people, which I think is what they're trying to do there. But, but the Apple people have so much brand loyalty that they stick to the Apple stuff. You know, and some of them get wooed by the Surfaces. And I've, seen, I've seen mixed results with that. Some are happy with them, some aren't. 
And also, I don't think it's helped that the first, I would say at least the first three versions of Surface were very kind of rough around the edges in a lot of ways. And so it, Surface doesn't have as strong a brand as it could have due to the approach Microsoft took. And although I think Microsoft is closer to the merged tablet PC vision that, that Apple is also pursuing just in a very different way, but the way Apple's done it, Apple's always had it so you have a very nice usable tablet and you have a very nice usable desktop or laptop computer. They're coming closer and closer together, but neither one of them has just become a mess in the meantime. Well, Microsoft's approach was, okay, we're just going to full blast, we're tablet, PC, one to one operating system for everything. And even technically, Windows 10's for phones and all this, so that doesn't seem to be really panning out. The result of that you know, at least initially, especially with Windows 8, was a giant mess. Just a huge, confusing mess. And so I think that hurt the Windows brand. I think that hurt the overall perceptions of that vision. In a technical sense, it was probably the correct choice because they're a lot closer to that merged, that synthesis than Apple is, but at the cost of, you know, shipping crappy products for a few years. Meanwhile, Apple has continued to ship good products, but it has just taken a, it's taken them a lot longer to get to that place they're going to end up inevitably, I think, anyway. So that's why, you know, even the iPad now, even with all the problems it has, is, is outselling Surface, and Surface isn't you know, just setting the market on fire. Well, the other thing here is not that Microsoft is doing it, but you have to think from the standpoint of Lenovo and Dell and HP, Microsoft is playing in their sandbox. Microsoft's supposed to be mm-hmm. doing the operating system, not competing with its own hardware OEMs. It was an extremely gutsy move in Microsoft's part. And whether it's paying off or not, or you know, whether it will in the long run, you know, that's debatable. But you know, I, th- I think it's good Microsoft is setting some kind of standards for its OEMs because it got to the point where PC hardware was just bland and uninspired, and so, you know, Microsoft had to really kind of push some wild ideas out there and throw some spaghetti at the wall and show its OEMs, you know, what could be done with their hardware. You know, there's a lot of talk that, you know, the OEMs would walk away from Windows. The problem is they don't really have anywhere to go. Uh, Apple doesn't license the Mac OS. Yeah, I guess they could put Linux on these boxes, but, I mean, that's just never going to fly. It's just never going to fly. Linux on the desktop is a non-entity. I'm sure there's some. You'll probably get some angry email from someone listening who uses Linux. If you do, that's fine. That's great. I I used to do it. I don't have anything against it. But you know, market share wise, no one does that. Then the thing is here, a lot of the interfaces for Linux are just like warmed over Windows. Yeah, exactly. Like, that. is it still KDE and GNOME? Are those still the big things? Because I mean, they're always basically just another version of windows and you know i think ubuntu does something a little different neely but you know some of these distributions uh have tried to mix things up a bit but i mean it's yeah it's just not a good desktop system and you know there's just a lot of stuff you know it's better than it used to be but there's just a lot of stuff uh desktop linux that doesn't you know it just doesn't work for the average person you know, that, you know the average person wants to get an app and install it and and uh that's uh you know, that's how it goes. And, you know, Linux just doesn't offer the software that a lot of people want. You know, if I, if I have a Linux machine and, you know, I say, hey, I want to get Adobe Photoshop. Okay, well, 
that is theoretically possible, but it's not the it's not the simple process that it is on Windows, where you just click the thing and you pay them money and you, you have you have Photoshop. I don't mean to be bashing Linux. I mean I think Linux does a does a great job in the things it's good at. And I, th- I think you know computing is better for for it having existed. But you know my my point is to get back to my point. I've kind of went off in the weeds now. My point is you know these OEMs don't really have a choice but to go with Microsoft. You know they can't spin off their own version of Windows. They can't license Mac OS. Uh, and people in general, you know, typically user doesn't want Linux. It's it's failed in the marketplace time and time again. So, uh, you know, what can they do? Microsoft starts making their own computers. All they can do is either you know get on board or make better stuff, or uh, they can make cheaper stuff. But I, I don't. In, in terms of threats, uh, I think threat for OEM uh, manufacturers is really more existential than competitive. You know, I don't think. Uh, the Microsoft Surface uh, laptops and Surface desktops and all this stuff. I don't think that's what's going to put Dell and Lenovo out of business. I think what will put them out of business is people just no longer using PCs at all. We've got more to come with Josh Centers. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Love or loathe him, Donald J. Trump is our 45th president. There is no denying now that Trump will go down in history, both despised and admired. Commemorate Trump's presidency with your very own Trump Silver Bust from TrumpSilverStatue.com. This museum-quality heirloom Trump Silver Statue Bust is hand-cast from 20 troy ounces of silver, a great investment. From TrumpSilverStatue.com. Loathed or loved, own a valuable piece of Trump's legacy. Get your solid silver Trump Bust today at TrumpSilverStatue.com. Everything you've been told about identity theft prevention is a flat-out lie. No one can prevent identity theft. No one. Go to LibertyID.com and use the promo code FREETRIAL for 60 days free. Cancel at any time. Liberty ID is the industry leader in identity theft restoration. Liberty ID fixes the fallout for you. Liberty ID does all the work, but you have to be prepared. Go to LibertyID.com, promo code FREETRIAL, LibertyID.com. Heart disease is on the rise. Clogged arteries, high blood pressure, and high cholesterol levels may not be fully detected by you, but the symptoms are there. Loss of energy, blood sugar spikes and drops, poor circulation, and irregular heartbeat are just a few of these that can alert you that something is wrong. Hear how heart and body extract is making a difference in thousands of people's lives across America. My blood pressure has normalized. My diabetes has totally improved. Everyone is telling me now how much healthier I look, and I'm everyone how much healthier I feel. I recommend heart and body extract to everyone. Anybody over 40 in the North American continent should be using this product as a preventative to keep their cardiovascular system healthy. Order your two-month supply today by calling 866-295-5305. That's 866-295-5305. Or order online, hbextract.com. Heart and body extract, 866-295-5305. Or hbextract.com. Today. How to incorporate your business in just 10 minutes so you won't lose everything if you get sued. Step 1. Stop putting it off. If you're not incorporated and someone sues your business tomorrow, it's not just your business at risk. You can lose everything. Your home, your car, even your life savings. Step 2. 
Call the following number for a free 10-minute incorporation guide from Incorporate.com. 1-800-945-1063. They don't provide legal or financial advice. They just make incorporating quick and easy. So you can incorporate or form an LLC in just 10 minutes. That number again is 1-800-945-1063. Step three, congratulate yourself. By taking just 10 minutes to incorporate your business or form an LLC, you protected your home, your car, and your life savings. And that is how you incorporate your business in just 10 minutes. But hurry while they're still giving away these 10-minute incorporation guides for free. Call 1-800-945-1063. That's 1-800-945-1063. Hi, this is Dr. Joel Wallach, the Dead Doctors Don't Lie guy. Have you ever wondered why farmers can keep their livestock lean and healthy just by feeding them minerals in a nutrient-dense diet? Before markets, they cut off their minerals, leaving them to crave high-calorie grains to fatten them up. So if weight control is this easy, why does the medical system prescribe invasive surgical gastric bypass for humans? The truth be told, according to research, you can avoid over 900 different diseases just by getting 90 essential nutrients daily. Check us out on the web at sonsoflibertyteam.com and order your Healthy Start Pack and get your 90 for life. Or dial 855-301-TEAM. I said essential, not optional, and every day. Easy, 90 for life on the web at sonsoflibertyteam.com or call 855-301-TEAM. That's 855-301-TEAM. That's 855-301-TEAM. Check us out on the web at sonsoflibertyteam.com at sonsoflibertyteam.com. What are you listening to? The Tech Night Isle Live with Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know. We continue with Josh Centers of Tidbits. I'm keep wanting to say and, but that other company now is in the hands of Joe Kissel. But you still write books for it. Anyway, we're debating here. We're discussing the fact with regard to Microsoft Surface, iPad, productivity, that sort of thing. Let us continue with different things going on here. And of course, you've written books about the Apple TV. There's a new Apple TV operating system for the fourth generation that Apple is testing. Is there anything there that we really care about or need? Yeah, I'm running the beta right now. And uh, there's not much there. I'll just be honest with you. Let's see. Uh, there is built-in AirPod support, uh, which is nice. Uh, so you won't have to pair your AirPods manually. There's an option where you can switch between light mode and dark mode, uh, depending on the time of day. You know, there's some other little stuff. That's about it. Um, there is an article I wrote for Tidbits, uh, and I'll see if I can find it here. The, the nice thing about the iPad, I can type on it, and it doesn't come through the microphone and bust your eardrums which is uh, nice. But this is a sad thing. You know, it's, there's just not very, not much there in tvOS. Uh, you know, there is going to be an Amazon app. That's not tvOS 11 specific. There is going to be a Voodoo app. Again, not OS specific. Okay. Oh, there's also going to be a background app refresh, which uh, probably should have already been there. Right to left language support. So I guess if you want to use your Apple TV in Hebrew or Arabic or whatever, uh, that'll be easier. And there's also uh, what they call home screen sync, which I find kind of interesting because basically what it's going to do is uh, it can use iCloud to sync your home screen between multiple Apple TVs, so, which gives me a hint 
that there probably is a new Apple TV coming, and this is their way of making it relatively easy to transfer your stuff over to it. Now, this is an interesting point in terms of Apple TV, and remains the criticism, the lack of 4K. Every TV you buy now, what, 80%, 90% of the TVs, they're 4K. Even the basic $400 set is 4K. It doesn't maybe offer the enhanced or HDR color reproduction, but it's 4K. But Apple is still not 4K. It's not just that the Apple TV is the only box of its kind in the market that doesn't support 4K. It's also the most expensive one. Let's see, Roku 4, I think it is, supports 4K. It's about $90. The Fire TV box supports 4K. It's about $100. Uh, Let's see, is there anything? uh, Let's see, Chromecast. There's a 4K Chromecast. It's $70. And then you have... uh, the Apple TV does not support 4K. It's about three years old now. It still it starts at starts at 150, goes up to about 200. Now you know that's not always street price. You can usually get it cheaper, but I mean that's the basic asking price, and it's it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. It's it's totally not competitive. So yeah, I mean whatever this new Apple TV does, at the very least, it has to support 4K and HDR video. And I do have a bit of a theory for that. Glenn Fleischman wrote a great article on uh, for Tidbits about um, this new HEVC video encoding um, that's uh, uh, coming to uh, the new operating systems, iOS 11, etc. And he was talking about how uh, it, it can make 4K video a lot smaller and a lot more bandwidth efficient. So it could be that Apple has just been waiting to implement HEVC before they switch to 4K video, and that way they can stream it more efficiently uh, than a lot of places do now. Although Netflix apparently already uses HEVC, so that's the, some clues are coming together that we're about to we're about to finally see a 4K Apple TV. Uh, now, what else might be included on that? I'm not really sure. Um, Apple is being cagey about a lot of things uh, regarding HomePods and Apple TV and AirPlay 2. So I'm kind of hopeful this Apple TV will be uh, somewhat interesting, and it won't just be like moving from the Apple TV 2 to the Apple TV 3, where it's the same box, just uh, different, uh, you know, just a better resolution. I'm hoping that, you know, they're really thoughts and put things through. Now, I have a third-generation Apple TV, and just a week or so ago, I found a movie I'd like to see, 99 cents for the rental. So I take advantage of the 99-cent rentals. I take advantage of Netflix. That's why I use an Apple TV for. Now, other than iTunes Store, Netflix I can get in different devices. My TV set does Netflix. My DVD does Netflix. So I'm not locked into Apple TV as far as that's concerned. But is there a point here where my third-generation Apple TV is ready to be thrown out? I mean... It served me well. I had to replace the remote, which died. And I think I got that from eBay, somebody eBay, $19 or something like that. And that's it. So this will keep going for me for a while until I'm in a 4K mode? Yeah, we have a lot of tidbits readers who still use the Apple TV third generation. And, and I get a question every time I write about the Apple TV. 
Is, is this going to come to Apple TV? The, my, my Apple TV is this going to come to the third generation Apple TV? The answer to that is no. <laughs> you know, I mean, I suppose it could be possible. You know, the Amazon app comes to the third gen Apple TV. I don't think that'll happen. It's still technically supported by Apple, but I don't think they're putting any resources into it. But my advice would be, you know, if you're using it and it's working and it's doing the stuff you need it to do, there's no reason to replace it. You know, keep on using it uh, until it stops. I mean, at some point, it will stop working. There will be some kind of cloud service. Like, I think this has already happened with YouTube. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they fixed this. But, you know, um, something's going to change on the server end, and your aging Apple third-generation Apple TV client for that service is no longer going to work. You know, and that day comes, you know, you can make a decision. But, yeah, I mean, if you have a totally working TV box that does the stuff you need, there's no reason to upgrade. I mean, you know, the fourth gen Apple TV has a lot of niceties, uh, you know, a lot of neat apps, stuff like that. But fundamentally, people buy these boxes um, because they want to play iTunes content of TV and they want to watch Netflix and Hulu and, you know, these sort of streaming services. You know, people just don't seem to get really into the App Store as a rule. And, you know, and, and for probably most things people want to do, and this is probably the biggest threat to these boxes, including the, the fourth gen Apple TV. Is that, you know, as you said, most TVs are 4K, but also most TVs you buy, even the cheap ones, are uh, what you call smart TVs. And it has all the apps most people want built right in. Um, I think that's the real threat to the Apple TV. Because if you, you buy a TV, you bring it home, it has a Netflix button right on the remote. You don't have to fumble with changing inputs or anything else. You just hit, you hit Netflix and you're, you're in Netflix. Uh, you know, why bother with the Apple TV? And for a lot of people, there's no reason to. Well, if you're using iTunes as a possible source for content, of course, there's a reason for that. But if I didn't rent from iTunes, I could use pay-per-view from my satellite provider, from Dish Network. So there you go. There are streaming services that compete with iTunes in terms of that. So if you're not locked into you know, generating videos from your Mac or something like that. Yeah, there is a question mark about the value of a Apple TV. Unless these apps make sense, but as you point out, it doesn't seem as if there's a big a big deal about that. Yeah, well, and uh, there was a story recently um, saying that iTunes uh, rentals are losing market share. And I can't help but wonder if it's because you know, you go to the store, you buy a smart TV, you know, it has an Amazon app in it. It doesn't have an, an iTunes app, it has an Amazon app, almost guaranteed. And you go, you know, oh, well, I know Amazon, you know, I have an Amazon account. You go on the Amazon app, there's a movie for rental. And not only is the movie for rental, it's the same price or, or cheaper than iTunes. And not only is it cheaper, but it probably has a longer rental period. You know, iTunes is only like 24 hours at most. Got more to come with Josh Centers. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. As you know, neighbors, web hosting can be pretty cheap, but not all hosting is the same. DreamHost wins best of awards year after year. 
You get unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, and even the low-cost plans put your sites on high-performance SSDs. Want to know more about what DreamHost has to offer? Go to technightowl.com slash host. Once again, that's technightowl.com slash host. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. It's a no-brainer. A Big Berkey water filter is the one you need, period. You need a water filter that removes chlorine, fluoride, pharmaceuticals, BPA, and other endocrine disruptors, pesticides, bacteria, viruses, and much more, right? And does it all at only two cents per gallon. Get the original most trusted name in gravity water filtration, Big Berkey. And now GCN listeners receive 5% off ceramic filter systems using code GCN. Call or click 1-877-99-BERKEY or BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. That's 1-877-99-BERKEY. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but soon you'll need a plan and place to survive. Forget bunkers. You're not a live underground gopher. You need survivalist camps, the ultimate fully functional off-the-grid mobile survival bug outhouse that's well-equipped and custom-built to outlast any other RV or trailer. Bold statement? You bet. See them now at survivalistcamps.com. That's survivalistcamps.com. Trust your family's survival to survivalistcamps.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. I'm here to tell you about GCNTelecare.com, a team of board-certified doctors assisting you 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. Within 15 minutes of registration, care your family can afford. Revolutionizing the healthcare industry, virtual consulting, providing diagnosis of non-emergency medical issues by phone or secure video on computer or smart mobile devices. GCNTelecare.com, virtual care anywhere. Have you checked your Google search results lately? Search results are usually the first impression that people form of you or your business. So make sure that they create a positive impression with ReputationDefender.com. What the Internet says about you can have a big impact on your life and your livelihood, even if it's not true. Fortunately, you can now control how you look online and in online search results with ReputationDefender.com. Call 800-831-0771 now. That's 800-831-0771 for your free reputation analysis. If you have negative material from an ex-employee, upset patient, or former client, newspaper article, legal issue, social media, or other source showing up in your search results, you can combat it with ReputationDefender.com. Our dedicated experts in patented technology can help make your online search results look their best. Call 800-831-0771 to learn more. 800-831-0771. That's 800-831-0771. Or visit ReputationDefender.com. This is Dan Pilla. Do you owe the IRS money you can't pay? Are tax debts crippling you? I've defended people from the IRS for over 30 years. I've helped thousands and I can help you too. I wrote the book on IRS settlement and I'm telling you, there's no such thing as a hopeless case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX to finally get free of IRS debt. With the IRS's new programs, there's never been a better time to solve your problem. Call 800-34-NO-TAX. That's 800-34-NO-TAX or my website, danpilla.com. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl live. 
with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. Now, just a clarification about the rental period. I think it's 30 days for iTunes, except once you start watching the movie, you have 24 hours to finish it. That, I think, is probably universal. There's a lot of rentals on the Amazon store that are 48 hours or even longer. There's a lot of newer ones are 24 hours, but there's a lot of... I've had a lot of 48-hour rentals. And, you know, if you're the kind of person, you know, especially if you have kids, you know, it's it can be very difficult to watch an entire movie in one sitting. Uh, so, you know, having a whole weekend to finish a movie uh, is something a lot of families need. But I don't think that's the main reason people switch. But I think, you know, you, you get the TV, you bring it home, and it has an Amazon button on their remote. You hit the Amazon button, oh, hey, there's a movie to rent. You don't even think about doing it from iTunes. And why would you rent the movie from iTunes? Because, I mean, you got to go through all the trouble. If you don't have your Apple TV box, you know, you got to do stuff with iTunes and all this and find some way to get on the TV. And meanwhile, Amazon's offering a service. It's just right there in the TV. Uh, every smart TV ever used has an Amazon app where you can rent and uh, buy and access your Prime Video content. So it, it's no wonder that uh, iTunes appears to be losing its share of, of video rentals because it's not ubiquitous anymore. You know, one time iTunes video was about as ubiquitous as any of these things got. But now, I mean, you practically get an Amazon video app and a box of cereal. So, I mean... Uh, which cereal? Cheerios, probably. <laughs> yeah, On we, the other hand, Amazon will sell you the cereal. Yes. <laughs> they will give you the box for four easy payments of $30, and then they will uh, sell you a subscription to the cereal. Okay, well, they're all learning different techniques. So I understand what you're saying here, that the advantage of iTunes is not there like it used to be, but maybe what Apple should be doing is offering a subset of iTunes. For other platforms, there is an iTunes for Windows, for example. Of course, it's designed to sell hardware. But iTunes just for maybe video rentals or Apple Music or something like that. Yeah, I think that would be smart. And it, it would have been smart for them to do, oh, I don't know, two or three years ago, maybe a little further back. At this point, I mean, they're kind of stuck in a weird position because, you know, Amazon is everywhere. It's so ubiquitous. You know, and every TV has Amazon services built into it. How does iTunes catch up with that? Uh, I don't know. And also, Apple also does not like doing you know the whole thing where they just put their software in someone else's hardware. And let's be honest, most of the smart TV software is crap. And most of the hardware, at least the computer side of the hardware, is crap. I won't go into a big rant about my Sony Android TV right now. Nice TV, terrible software, terrible processor. Uh, nice screen. <laughs> you know... I think uh, the other Gene, Gene Munster, who uh, you know used to famously ask about an Apple TV set at every Apple investor call, I think they should have listened to him. I think they should have made it. You know, TV sets are not the greatest market, but I think Apple could have pulled off a TV set in a way that no one else can. But now I think uh, that ship's kind of sailing. But I think I think a lot of people just crave the kind of thing where you just you, you buy the thing. You don't have to think much about it. You, you buy the TV, you take it home, you set it up. The screen looks nice. You don't have to fiddle with it. The apps work. 
because most of these smart TVs are terrible. They're slow. They're hard to use. You know, Android TV is just terrible. I mean, if you ever think the Apple TV is bad, try Android TV for a bit. It will really open your eyes on this stuff. There's a huge opportunity for Apple here, but I just I don't, don't think that's their interest. Uh, you know, Tim Cook, you know, he wants to push tablets and, and health monitoring. I can see Tim Cook's Apple making an EKG machine before they make a, a TV set. So, you know, I just don't think they're going to do that. I, I don't really know what uh, the best course for Apple, you know, to take there is. I think they're going to try to stick to these boxes. But I think the days of sticking a box to your TV are numbered. I mean, when you can put the smarts right inside the TV set itself, you know, why have the extra box? Why have the wires? Why have the complication? Why have to change inputs? You know, the future is you pick up the remote. There's a button, cable button. Okay, now you can watch your cable. Okay, there's a, there's a Netflix button. You watch your Netflix. There's your Amazon button. You watch Amazon. There's all this, you know, switch between things and learning five different interfaces for one device. No, it's just it's going to be all in one thing. And maybe Apple will make a TV set. Maybe that's part of the HomePod thing. I don't know. Maybe that's what they'll announce in the fall. I sure hope it is because, uh, you know, I think that's really where they need to go to uh, have any kind of real success here going forward. Well, this may be the real reason why Apple has really not done something really big in the TV space. They see it as being commoditized. Well, you know, uh, I mean, tablets are commoditized. Laptops and PCs are commoditized. They're in those businesses. They're in that business with special operating systems with special features and integration across an entire ecosystem. Does the Apple TV fit there? I mean, because basically what we're talking about here, the problem with TV is, is a lack of integration. You learn how to use, how to you know, mess the TV. Then you learn how to use a cable box. Then you learn how to use your Roku or your Apple TV or whatever's hooked up to it. You know, and then, oh, you got to figure out how to set up the speakers. You have a system here where you plug in a TV, you go through a set, the little setup wizard, or maybe you just touch your iPhone to it, and uh, your TV's set up. And everything looks good. You don't have to fool with it. I think people would pay for that. You know, a TV, you don't have to plug anything into. Everything works great, you know, and it looks good. And you don't have to look at, you know, 12 dozen different, you know, various shades of black TV on the market, you know, or go to the Best Buy and, you know, look at all the ones on the wall and all of the blown out demos and stuff. You just go by the, by the Apple TV, the actual Apple TV display. Hey, maybe that's the idea. Maybe, maybe they're going to make an Apple TV. Maybe it's going to be an all-in-one thing. And maybe it's also going to be a monitor. And maybe that's what you hook uh, this new Mac Pro up to, is, is you just get your Apple display, you get your Apple TV, you can use it in your living room, or hey, you bring it in your office, hook your, uh, your Mac Mini or your uh, Mac Pro up to. That would make sense to me, but uh, you know, who, who knows what's going on in Apple. Well, the thing here to consider also with regard to Apple TV, maybe Apple makes deals with the cable and satellite companies to provide better integration. I mean, they want to do everything themselves, and there used to be, although it's obviously going to disappear with the current administration, a requirement that they open up for the sale of third-party set-top boxes. That's gone away because they're going to kill that regulation before it even gets finalized. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I know the whole thing between uh, Apple and, and the various TV providers is really... A uh, sore subject in some circles. I mean, you would think a business like Comcast would see the value in making their stuff uh, available purely through software. Like, you know, here's an example for you. So, anyway, Comcast is terrible. I'll end on that note. 
I'll end with the simple truth. <laughs> the simple truth about Comcast. They're not going to carry this show on their network. No, I'm, they haven't said anything to me. Oh, well. Josh Centers, where do we find more of your stuff? Uh, my articles are in tidbits.com, my books on takecontrolbooks.com, and my various uh, rantings and ravings on Twitter at jcenters. And by the way, his tweets are not like the other guy's tweets. <laughs> you can find us on Twitter. Look for Tech Night Owl. You can find me on Facebook. Look for Gene Steinberg, the guy in the red plaid shirt. More than likely, he's me. We've got a second radio show about UFOs and things that go bump in the night. And our guest this week is documentary producer Ron James, who does lots of stuff about UFOs, paranormal, ghosts, and stuff like that. His studio is all Mac, except he gave up on Final Cut Pro 10 and went to Adobe Premiere. But he's still a Mac kind of guy. Check out the Paracast at Paracast.com. That's Paracast.com. Don't forget to also check out the best way to support this radio show. And that's to become a member of Tech Night Owl Plus. That's plus.technightowl.com. P-L-U-S.technightowl.com. We're pleased to offer you the commercial-free version of this show. Better quality audio. All that good stuff. So even when Josh Centers is on his AirPods and his iPad... He sounds his best. To learn more how to sign up, go to plus.technightowl.com. Once again, that's plus.technightowl.com for Tech Night Owl Plus. Josh Centers, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Owl Live. Thanks for having me, Gene. is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bad time, same bad channel.